Hello and welcome to the Coast Football Ramble podcast, proudly supported by Sideline Sports School at Erina. This week, uh, we remain despondent over the disgrace that was Saturday night. We discuss what Mulvey needs to do in the off-season and who will get Volunteer of the Year award. That's tomorrow. I'm Jimmy and I'm joined by Luke, Josh, Morrow, Fred, Rowdy and maybe one or two others. We'll see how we go. How are you guys? Hello. Hello. Hello, Jimmy. Still angry? You're upset. <laughs> Still Why are you angry? so upset? I've never seen Aaron so angry and upset. <laughs> I really just want to listen to him talk for a little bit. Is it the Votti or the result? It's just the immediacy of the Votti crap. <laughs> <laughs> you love it. You guys, mis- you you guys misunderstand the kind of rules that are required. When you're volunteering, you can't dictate the terms and do what you like. That's why I'll never be near that award. I hope you get it. You I really get it again. Well, get it's it for making amazing. up my own jobs, doing them poorly, leaving early, arriving late, and generally ignoring what's required. That's, That's just you. You're a government really. employee. That's what you do. <laughs> oh, no, I'm talking, so you're the volunteer <laughs> version of Charlesworth, oh. do, doing things, doing things early, leaving it late. Jesus, so I think so I'm done begins. after that. I've been wrecked. There's no coming back from that. Right into it. Uh, Roddy, do you want to introduce yourself, mate? Oh, yes, uh, I'm Roddy, Rod Lambert, or more known as Rowdy on the forum, um, and it's great to be here. Thanks, guys. That's all right. So you've been sporting since season one? I certainly have. Wearing a season one shirt, I, I might add. Uh, and it's in very good sh- nick. Very is, good nick. Yeah, the Star fits. Trek kit. It better shows that one. you can still drink beer and fit into your season one shirt. <laughs> 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 right. Where to start? Where to start? There are a lot of fan questions from the there, Facebook. There's a lot of fan questions. So we'll that get might to take them. a little bit. Yeah, let's get to them a bit later. Right. Um, I was, I've been overseas. I went on a cruise with my new wife, and it was good. Congratulations, Jimmy. Thank you. I missed out on the Q&A with Mike, the open mic night. Oh, you um, missed out so on the night, mate. Josh was there, and Murray, you were there. Rowdy was as well. And Rowdy was too. I certainly was. So do you want to sort of run through that? Aaron had the fun job. Aaron, you were the host. You know the most. Well, we asked, the fans kindly put in lots of questions. There was something in excess of 65 questions put through the Survey Monkey and a whole bunch of other questions that uh, people on the forum added to the list. So uh, we tried to ask as many of those as we could. Um, so I didn't actually contribute any questions, but I asked the questions of Mike, who was on a Skype screen, and from time to time could actually hear us, I think, and see us even. So. He may not talk to me again after some of the questions I ask, but, you know, these questions had to be asked. Fans, fans are frustrated, and rightly so. And just to clarify, Mick Komet was originally going to do those questions, but you got called in to do it. So did you get any direction from the club in regards to what, you know, uh, was given to you or what you had there in your hands on the night to ask those questions? Well, we had, I had helped in the uh, process of carving them up into some subcategories, if you like, and we had the intention of moving through a group of subcategories, but there was always the uh, idea that Mike Mulvey was uh, going to be announced that night, and so that kind of interfered with our ability to finish off asking the questions. So all of the kind of nasty questions if you want to call them that made their way out because they were the most common there was there was something like 17 questions that pretty much all asked the same question why won't you spend enough money and if you won't why don't you rack off was the tone of those questions so really all we got to do was get through those questions and then we moved into some coaching stuff because Mike Mulvey was behind a door ready to be announced he was hiding in the closet (laughs) yeah so so. He he got to the club about half an hour earlier didn't he I, was, I don't know. He was seen just loitering. 
At the pokies. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, <laughs> the pokies. He put a, he put a, he put a quick 20 in more chilli and see what happens. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't there, but the general consensus from everyone that was, especially from you three, I guess, was that the answers maybe that Mike gave on the night didn't go down great. I think that's a bit of an understatement. Is that fair to say? Yep. Well, as we were talking just prior to we started the podcast tonight, I said that I thought it was a very strategic move by Mike Charlesworth to, to do the uh, question open mic night and subsequently, you know, all the people turned up, you know, thinking, well, great, we get to speak to him, we get to ask some questions about, you know, the season of where we were, Ocon leaving, what's next, you know, because at that particular point, no one knew whether, you know, how long it would be to a new coach would get appointed. So it's... I, th- I thought it was very clever in his sense that he knew all those questions and primarily it's been the common question over the years is the, the lack of funding that's gone in towards the squad and, and, and why is that and, and what is your real motivations for, for wanting to own this football club. So I think he knew that those questions would come and he, you know, as I said before, it's kind of a crass way to put it, but it was kind of like a magic show and that he knew no matter how bad the questions were, no matter how much swearing or, or, you know, bad language was in amongst those questions that he was going to pull the proverbial rabbit out of his hat and subsequently announce Mike Mulvey and Mike walked through the door and, as other people have said, the, the mood in the, in the room lifted um, and it was, the, 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 you know, as some people said, the switch and bait sort of thing and that it moved away from the direction of, of that lack of spending, which he reiterated time and time again that, you know, he's not going to put any more money into this squad. Um, you know, similar to was, the seasons that, that have already gone, which yeah, to quite a clanger. lot of people is still quite concerning, and it is to mm-hmm. me as well. Yeah, and that was a clanger for me, and I think for lots of people, I, I because I had a little bit of a role there and I kept reading questions and making sure I was prepared in case I had to ask more or whatever, then I didn't really hear every single thing that was said, but I heard that repeating itself over and over in my head that we are going to be spending in or around the floor again next season. And my heart just sank, really. Yeah. When I when I heard that he had no intention to spend to justify the million more than a million dollars, to me that just says I I don't want to do anything more than I have to. You know, to me that there's no there's no there's nothing forcing him to spend the money either. That's another thing that a lot of people don't understand. Is like there's no rules saying that he has to spend all yeah. of it. It's really up to him. And when I heard that, that that was. I literally threw my phone across the room. There was literally, we're, we're going to have another season like this year. So when you say there are no laws saying that he needs to spend that money, I've been trying to think whether the FFA will eventually step in and do something about it or not. Are they just happy having someone who is just keeping their club afloat? It makes up the numbers. Eventually they want to have more teams. So yes, every league, yeah, mm. every yes, league short, just needs a kick. And well, look what happened boy. to Newcastle when Tinkler was. They they stepped in when he they they found out that that he plays when getting paid super all that. Yeah. The, the the actual club itself wasn't being run to their satisfaction. I think the FFA see that the Mariners are being run to a certain level. Yeah, but there's it's a difference between Newcastle and us. They've got the population. Yeah, they've got a stadium. I think as long as true. as long as all the staff and all the players continue to get paid, all the super all gets paid, everything's 
one millimeter above the line, FFA don't care. Well, yeah, they don't whether care. We, whether we do it with you know creative tax like accounting yeah, or not, it doesn't yeah. matter. FFA don't care. No. Well, that's the thing when when we spoke to Mike uh, after the presentation in in a, in a non formal way, sort of guys standing around leaning on tables. Um, Sean interjected when the mention of, of the the amount of money to be spent came in, and he said, "Well, we do spend well above the minimum." amount required of the salary cap, which is stated by the FFA. So, as I said to another person, your definition of what well above is and what my definition of well above is is probably two different amounts of money. Mm. But nonetheless, the way I look at it is is that that money, in effect, is free money. That money comes from Foxtel. That comes from the TV deal. So that's money that Mike Charlesworth doesn't have to put into his pocket. Yes, he has got other costs to, to run the comp, uh, to run the club in regards to the administrative side of it with all the staff and all those sorts of things in the academy. But that, in effect, is free money. So obviously what's been going on over the last couple of years is that we're using some of that cap money to help run the club with the administrative costs. So how much of that difference between the minimum required by the FFA and the total of that salary cap... You know, I don't know the numbers, but it'd be great to, to find out what they are because then that could give us a good realistic perspective on, on what it is that we're missing out on in regards to buying players. Now, I'm, I'll say it in this point. When I spoke to Mike uh, about signing players and marquee players, he talked about a situation when he was at Brisbane Raw and he said that uh, he'd spoken to a player overseas and it was left to the club to try and... And they had agreed to, that he would come to the club. And eventually they didn't sign that player. And unbeknownst to him... Only later on when speaking to the player weeks later, he subsequently found out that the reason that the Brisbane didn't sign him was for $20,000. So I said, well, that goes to show you that in my books, looking at this league, that's a very small amount of money to not mm-hmm. offer a player to then miss out on, particularly if your head coach wants that player. Mm-hmm. So that's when I then sort of turned to, to Sean and said, but that just goes to show that just a small amount of twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars can make a difference to get a player that could have a significant impact on your team and subsequently the team's performance for the rest of the season. And even the argument that the cap money is one hundred and ten percent from the Foxtel, so we get more than the full cap from the TV deal, but we're still all like you said, all that money seems to be going into running the club, but it's it's still free money. Yeah, and so, uh, on Jimmy's yeah. point. If, if we're spending the floor, let's say we're spending the floor, can the FFA, can the FFA uh, consider what it is that is, can be included in the floor? Because there's been a bit of you know, innuendo that what, uh, some things that have been included in the floor have been not what you might morally consider to be players' wages. Mm. Um, maybe it's agents' fees, might be relocations, yep. this kind of stuff. Um, when does the FFA say, hang on, you can't bend the floor quite as much as you're bending it. If we're bending it again, will they? I doubt they will. I if, don't we're, know. if we're staying, if we're keeping ahead above water, will they do anything about it? It depends how embarrassing we are. And we did a pretty good job of the flagship. Do they that care? On Saturday. If we're making know. up the numbers, I don't think they will. Well, judging from the reaction of Fox commentators after the game, who were not all that thrilled about our performance. Yeah, but they haven't been for years and years. Even when we were successful, they didn't like us. No, but they weren't quite as... Actually, the only time they liked us is when Arnie was here, because they're all pals with him. Yeah, sometimes they did like us then, but they they were more disliking this time. They were very unhappy. It was a disgraceful effort, and they were happy to jump on that wagon. I don't think they care, because it seems pretty clear that the Knicks are going to get the flick after next season. 
their owners don't seem to want to continue to fund the club, the FFA don't seem to want them in the league for the lack of probably revenue that they bring. And so when if they do that, how metrics, the old buzzword, um, are probably almost on par with the Knicks, if not worse, in terms of crowd numbers, maybe not memberships. But if we get the flick or if they pull the licence from Charlesworth and they have to look for another owner or find another club as well as bring in another two clubs in 2020. So well, it's not going to happen. As long as we're just above a line, they won't care, I don't think. Well, it's a very good point, I think, about Wellington because a little bird told me on Saturday night that a deal has been done between Southern Expansion and Wellington Phoenix for the club to be sold and that Wellington Phoenix owner has agreed that the club will be relocated but FFA is blocking the deal. And the main reason that the deal is being blocked is because the sale price of $15 million, which is what Wellington owner is pre- prepared to sell the club to Southern Expansion for, the FFA would much prefer that they buy a new licence for $15 million and give $15 million straight to the FFA. Mm. And that way, when Wellington don't meet their metrics, their licence basically have to be handed back to the FFA, oh, which, which, which I think has to sort of... We have to take into account that, that type of situation because, you know, we're pretty much the next chicken on the block in regards Definitely. to, yeah. you know, not meeting those metrics and, and, more importantly, being a club that can sustain itself. I, I, I guess the question is about nationality. Do they care because we're Australian? Well, that's something that that's is a positive for in us. Our, in our favour, yeah. Uh, the other thing I think that's a positive, in, and Jimmy, you said before, well, you know, the Fox commentators haven't, you know, really liked the Mariners for years. I kind of disagree. I think uh, quite a few of them have a, a soft spot for the Mariners. They see that we're that small community club that we've punched above our weight and mm. the blue colour collar working. Team. The team that yeah, works and hard. And that's what I heard on another podcast yesterday. Yeah. It was those sentiments so exactly. There's a, I, I don't think a lot of, you know, the Robbie Slaters and the Andrew Harpers, you know, the commentators, there at Fox and Bozzer and Simon Hill would want to see a club like the Mariners go. Um, but plus, I'm thinking about people that have left Fox since. Oh yeah, for sure, because some of them have yeah, or either passed away or moved on to different things. Yeah, or no, oh well, I know you say passed away. Cockrell hated us. Uh, I don't know. I I spoken to him, and and he he actually from my conversations with him that he saw us as a positive for this league. So. You know, yeah, well, just the vibe I got. And yeah, you're talking about Rudan, Rudan as well. R- Rudan, I yeah. think, probably has a bugbear to be because you know he's lost his position there at Fox as a commentator, and he's gone back to the NPL to coach. And his ultimate goal is to be a coach. He's with SBS as well. He's be, he's doing oh, uh, EPL and SBS. Yeah, he does that as well with uh, Swanee. But you yeah. know, his ultimate goal would be to come and co- coach. He'd probably love us if, if he had got the coach. I think job, he applied for the oh, job, didn't I'm he? I'm sure he did. He's probably applied for every athlete job that's come up for for, <laughs> for offer. I'll do it uh, since he's you know no <laughs> longer coach. at Fox. But um, yeah, as I said, back to Wellington. That that's something that you know w- w- us as fans, I think, need to keep in the back of our mind in regards to that. You know. Their southern expansion, they've gone to look and take Wellington's licence. And, and they've gone to them primarily, I'd say, because they're outside of Australia. Yeah. And, and, you know, if FFA are going to give it a tick, it'd be for Wellington. Not so for us straight away. Um, but what's to say that it couldn't happen to I us? I think FFA really want community clubs as well. I think because we're pretty much an anomaly in the league, aren't we? Besides probably Newcastle being a regional side. And if they get that southern expansion up and running, then that's obviously regional as well. So... I'm just wondering about the southern expansion, how that impacts maybe Sydney and Wanderers' memberships. Are the, do people from the south, 
I think I think are mostly Sydney FC fans. So that but having a third team in Sydney would be very interesting to see how that goes with memberships and all that. But the FFA have always been really clear that they want to put teams in the bigger hubs in the yeah. cities. I think it's mm. it's been so that's why it's, it's a, a million people. Is, it's yeah, all about the it's all about the population. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah, and they've I come out recently. O'Rourke said recently that obviously Wellington's not meeting their metrics. You know, so I don't. I think you're right. I don't see them being picked up again when their license is up for. Well, I think at Wellington and the Central Coast are about the same population wise, about three hundred three hundred something thousand. So there's sort of that same population. For both sides, but because obviously, like we said before, we're in Australia, we'll probably get the favourable treatment over the New Zealand side. I don't think the FFA, though, whims- whimsically have the ability to just pull the pin on somebody. If no, we, if we fail re- to meet the conditions of the licence, then they might have an opportunity. If we choose to give up the licence, then there's an opportunity, and that's probably what Wellington have done. But I can't see any behaviour that we have performed recently that puts us in a situation where the FFA is likely to say you've not met your licence conditions. No. Well, doesn't the licence that the Mariners have now, it was a five-year licence, I think, that, that all clubs were given from well, the I think it's, we've got licensing? Till, we've got till 2025. 2025, okay. Yeah. So, so it was a 10-year deal in 2015, the, I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so right, maybe yeah. The Knicks only got the four-year extension. Yeah, yeah. But I mean... I, With I, clauses of metrics yeah, and yeah. such. I mean, I think it's been said a few times, if the league was created today, I don't think we'd have a club. Agree. Yeah, oh, I, I think that's, that's true. Because And that's why I think we're so lucky to have a club. And that's why, I mean, something needs to change within well, the next... That's why months. we've given the owner so much latitude to try yeah. and rebuild our direction so that we could get on an yes. incline upwards. And, and we were on that incline. Yeah. But then... When? We plateaued. <laughs> huh? I mean, when? Well, we took a direction. It's not all about what happens on the pitch. We took a direction that got us to a point where we reduced the amount that we were losing money. We made money thanks to largely to Matty Ryan, but nevertheless, you have to minimise your loss to make the money, etc. Um, so, we put ourselves in. Let's get our finances under control, and then we can tackle the pitch thing. Well, we, on the surface of it, got some progress on the settle our um, expenditure problems. Well, the next step was for us to improve on the field. I don't think we've done that. Well, I think personally the most imperative thing for this club, looking at all of these situations of you know what's happening with possibly happening with Wellington Phoenix, is to help build new relationships, especially with the Central Coast football community. Uh, but most importantly, and what's really imperative, is the Central Coast Council. Because as soon as the club can get control of and have the stadium rights that sends a very clear message to the FFA that well look we've got a team here say we do get into problems down the track whether it's with Mike Charlesworth or whether we have new owners there's a club there in a regional area yes it's a small commu- uh, population base but it's a club that's got control over a ground and no other club in this country um, can, can stay that so if we can get that it helps yeah, bring in revenue streams. <clears throat> the current council setup is a massive roadblock for that. It is, well, but mm. that's why Mike Charlesworth and, and Sean and, and the club needs to work really hard and, and to, yeah. to, to build that yeah. relationship and try and get a positive result and, and put the spin on it that this isn't all about just us as a football club. This is about the Central Coast as a region and what this club can bring. And like, and I'll, I'll give you a simple example. I watch the Channel Seven News each night. Now go back. I don't know, five, six, seven years ago, when you got to the end of the news each night and you looked at the weather, you never saw Gosford there on the map. You saw all the, all the different suburbs of Sydney. 
But here we are now, five, six, seven years later. Well, let's just worry about two years. Gosford started appearing on the weather map. Now, if you go and watch the news tonight at six o'clock, you'll see Gosford and you'll see Tugra, uh, sorry, Wong, and you'll see Woiwoi listed underneath. So, and I'd like to think that the Central Coast Mariners has contributed as a football club to sort of helping put Central Coast in a greater position on the New South Wales map in, in people's minds that when, you, when they hear in, the um, word Central Coast, they know where it is. It's not that place up in Queensland that's also <laughs> called Central Coast because that's what a lot of people would one. say to me. That's yeah. right, yeah. I remember in season one, we went down to Adelaide and the guy's like, so where do you play out of? Is that's, that's it right. uh, Coffs Harbour or <laughs> <laughs> up near Gold Coast? I'm yeah. Like, so, no, it's just north, near Sydney. So that's what I'm getting at with the relationship that the, the club has to try and help build, that it's not just about we're going to be the tenant of the stadium, that, that we've got a lot more to offer the entire community and that's where they need to get back to um, I feel like we tried to do that with the whole yeah. stadium draft and stadium planting and yeah. we yeah. we were lucky enough to see the majority of the plans in the big thick book and all that sort of stuff and it looked like a lot of money was spent on it but it, yeah. we did that we tried to leverage sort of leverage the public in a way by going to the newspapers and all that sort of thing but then it all just sort of went away well, it's because the elections are coming up as well yeah, at that but, point. I mean, but we need to be constantly in the public eye saying we want to own this, we want to have it, we want to, you know, we want it to actually be our home. The and club that, has been be such quite a active at trying to talk to the council about it, but they don't want to know about it. Well, so uh, that's, that's why we've got to keep heard. going and going and going. Well, if we just rewind yeah, the clock right, back a little bit to that presentation that was made, you know, and it was more so they did want to try and buy the stadium mm. outright, which I think in the community a lot of people sort of thought, well, that's our community asset. Yeah. And that was that's, paid for by the that's state That's probably government. fair enough too. So, but the other thing I think that, that put a bit of a dark cloud over, and it's the same dark cloud that sort of hangs over Mike Charlesworth, is the property development of it mm. in the sense that there was going to be a large building built down there on the waterfront, which, you know, would upset a lot of residents that that gets built out the back, you know, in the backyard of the stadium. Mm. And subsequently, oh, it only gets tied in if there's property development attached to it. So I think that kind of yeah. put a lot of... In it, yeah. For mine, that also left me with a few lingering doubts in regards to... So I think if the club sort of changed tack and just look, well, we don't want to buy the stadium outright, but if we can at least get the stadium managing rights, it gives us some certainty in moving forward in regards to having better control over it, revenue streams from, from food and alcohol sales on game days, and subsequently... Other things and building the relationships, like for instance, with Central Coast United playing in the pregame on the weekend, that was great. Yeah. It was fantastic. You know, the people that came early and watched yeah. that game, that you know, there was quite a lot of cheers, and they had a great win, five nil. Well done to the boys. So if they can build on those, um, I think that'll give a lot of kudos in the community. But did we, or have we, actually made any progress on that? Or in fact, has that uh, effort to? I think um, it's died has that effort to sun ourselves and the possibility of being closer to the ownership of that stadium or managing the rights, has that put us in a position where it's even harder than it was before for us to maintain a decent relationship? Because the, the thing about this is, Rowdy's spot on. We, in this particular market, we cannot afford to not get it right with relating with the council, with the local football association, with all of the biggest local businesses and with all of the local people. We, we cannot get any of those wrongs, local schools. Um, we've got to get all of those right. And for years now we've been talking about how we don't really have that great a relationship with the council. Why are we still talking about it? Mm. Why, four years later, are we still talking about it? Why hasn't this been resolved? Why hasn't Mike resolved it? Why hasn't Sean? And it that's really should have been done when Laurie was in there. Whatever 
there's a long history of the reasons why we've got problems with relationships with the council. There's a long history of reasons why we've had problems with relationships with the association. There's a long history Not of what, yeah. Why? Why is it still going on? I don't know why it's still going on, but as far as I'm concerned, haven't we got people in place who own and run the club who should be resolving those? Uh, and to be frank, should be KPI'd on that. Well, I think that's where Charlesworth probably needs to refocus, and that is re-engage with the council, because let's just say we had council... Councillors come and go. They get elected, some some get re-elected, some don't, and a new mayor gets elected, which is what we had. Yeah, but the so, guy that's in charge of grounds... Yeah, I know, I spoke been, to him. Yeah. But, but this is what I'm saying. Uh, and hey, it's hard. Contract. It's hard. But, but this is it. Maybe that guy or, or the people at council have a mindset that the Mariners want to own that stadium. So I, my suggestion is, is we'll change tact. Let's say we don't want to own the stadium. We want to be... We want to rent it just like you rent any other facilities that you own as a council, town halls, uh, you know, all those sorts of different things, sporting fields, you know, the whole thing. That they, they have different things that they rent out. We just want to be an occupant and, and, and be a really good one at that in, in the sense that what that does is it, it, it helps us as a football club, which in turn helps you in, in the community. And I think maybe if Charlesworth redirects some of his focus towards that, and if that means he has to engage with ratepayers via advertising the Central Coast Express or, you know, or, you know, articles or advertisements that he takes about this is what we want to do um, and we need your support as a community. Don't, you know, if that's kind of, it's kind of bypassing the council and going straight to the rate because it's really the rate pays who, who, who elect councillors. So maybe that's a tactic he maybe needs to try because, because something has to be done, that's yeah. for sure. Whatever it is that breaks down, whatever those barriers that exist are, that have existed for a long time, it's unacceptable for that to continue. Maybe it's, it's a money issue in this council. Well, I guarantee it's a money yeah. issue. We feel they're charging us too much rent. They don't feel they are. That's the end of the story. Even percentages <laughs> of... Um, say if we did lease it, percentages back to the club, probably... Non-negotiable. Probably. From both accounts. Well, I Probably. think that's just where a better sales pitch from the club has to come. We've, we've got to sell what it is that, that we want to sell to them a bit better. And, and realistically, at the moment, who else is going to occupy that stadium other than, you know, yeah. your Parramatta's and, and a couple, for a couple of games during the seasons? You know, none of the... And this is the other thing. You know, I don't know whether people at council think, well, hope Monday we hope to get that NRL licence and that, but I really don't see the NRL doing that for quite some time. Speaking but of which, good there's a rugby league the game NRL. On, there's a rugby league game on the stadium and stuff. On Saturday, right? Uh, uh, cheaper tickets for Mariners m- members. Is there? Yeah, oh, that's okay. good promotion for them. Well, it, yeah, that's clever. I think, Very clever. I think half of the issue is is that you're right. I think at the end of the day, once all the negotiations are supposedly done, it's going to come back to money, and I don't think he has enough money. I don't. I don't think he has enough money to run a successful football club and to go through all of those things, like go through the council to own the stadium, to complete the centre of excellence, which again needs to be done through the council. I just don't think he has enough money. It takes resources and persistent resources who are tasked with that as their primary responsibility and persist with it until they get the solution because I don't know what it is. If I did know what it is, I'd probably be doing the job. But somebody should be doing the job, isn't doing the job. Um, I mean, you know, it's hard. I guarantee it's hard. It's always Mm. hard building new relationships. You think about it as fans. Every time we have a change of management, staff, coach, uh, football department staff, we all have to build new relationships again because we enjoy having relationships with those people in those positions. But it's hard. But we're yeah. doing it because I mean, we care about it. We love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not blaming him for not having enough money. I, 
you know, like I don't think anyone is. I don't have enough money. No one in no, this room I has agree. enough money yeah. to run the football club. Yeah. But we're all, most of us were all pretty thankful when he decided to take over the club and take on all that debt when he decided to. Because, I mean, from all the reports, we were hours away from going yeah, under. it was a nose would dive. I mean, that we're all, we're all, we're all pretty grateful for that because we still do have a club. But it's, it's gone past the point, if you ask me, of, okay, well, you need to fund it to a point where it's going to be competitive because that's where you need to get it right first. Because, I mean, if you went into the council Monday morning and said, can we own the stadium, they'd they just look at you and laugh and go, you just got thrashed 8-2 and got the spoon again. Yeah, that's a fair point. I mean, they're not going to be interested. Get it right on the field first and then work out everything else around that. Well, I think this might also... It certainly know, allows in the bargaining point, power. If we bring in the point that you know a few people alluded to in their questions to him on, uh, on the open mic night, and that is, is that, well, if you're not going to invest properly in the club, why don't you look to sell it? And he said, well, you know, at the moment, uh, the, the, you know, all clubs are for sale, I think was the words that he used. You know, all football clubs around the world are for sale. And at the moment, you know, there's nobody interested in, in, in buying the club. Um, now, I but think is that it, the case, though? Well, that, that's the thing, you know. Um, is it that the asking price is unrealistic? Well, no. Okay, well, let's I think get, Southern let's... Expansion may have come <clears> to him <throat> and spoken to about it, but I think he was adamant about that the club. He didn't want the club to be relocated, and so therefore, perhaps that's why they then have then gone to Wellington and looked at them. But what I think perhaps maybe he may need to look at now is an investor to work yeah. alongside of him to inject some more funds into the club, and whether that be. You know, uh, bigger clubs from from overseas, or or someone who's who's got that wallet big enough to do something, but he still takes part ownership of the club. Now, I think a good situation would be uh, similar to if we had an overseas foreign club um, buy us and then helped set up the football department and running of that. He still has he still takes control over the centre of excellence and all those types of things, but then that injection of cash then helps go to council and get those stadium management rights. And, and each one of those things has a flow-on effect. Once one's done, it makes it easier to get the next thing done and then the next thing done. So they'd become part owners and players? If we sell them, they'd get a percentage of that? Well, I, I spoke to um, a guy who's on the forum, um, Pat Jennings, Ian's his name, and I said to him, I don't understand why overseas clubs don't look at someone like the Mariners and want to buy them because it's a first division club in a country that's qualified for the last four World Cups. So here it is. It's pretty cheap. Like, you know, let's just say the sale value today is $15 million. That's a pretty small amount of money to buy an entire football club that you can farm out young players that you don't think are quite ready for your first division Celtic side or championship side, if it's a championship club in England, that you can send two, three players, or, you know, what is it now, four players with Visa plus one Asian player, I think is the new rules. Yeah. Mm. So you could, you could literally send four of your top quality players... Literally, a spine, a central defender, defensive midfielder, attacking midfielder and striker. You could send them over and then just look at spending money on, a, on, a, on an Asian player for $15 million. Now, they, look how much money gets spent on European players. Well, there's one club that's done that. That's Sorry? City. See, that, that's my point, yeah. And what but they, you could even dip your toe in the water without having to invest that kind of money and uh, simply say, well, what's the difference between us now and competi- being competitive? It's probably half a million dollars if we want to compete for four, five, six, and a million dollars plus if we want to compete for one, two, three. So 
if that's the case, can't can't any of these guys come up with a way to relate um, Celtic just to pull one out of my backside? Um, is there not a way that Celtic can get a bit of their brand exposed here amongst our people and at the same time invest some money into our club? Celtic are smart enough to realise that uh, we're not going to be making money in this club. It will be a losing venture. But the amount of money involved the, that we're talking here it could be as small as half minuscule. a mil. Well, look how much money they, they spend on... They could spend, you know, $30, $40 million on a player. Mm. And, and there's clubs over there in, in, in Europe that spend that on players that never see first-team football. So the, I the would coaches ask. decide that they're not even good enough for first-team, but they're sitting on the books for three years because they signed yeah. a three-year deal on th- mm. for $30 million. So I would say if we've spent four years and we knew at the beginning of that four years that we didn't really have enough money to be able to tolerate uh, in, in, into the future the kind of losses that we're going to experience, why haven't we spent all of that time and some of our resources on finding somebody who's prepared to make an investment into the club in return for some kind of exposure of their brand. Um, Maybe or, he doesn't want to relinquish 100% ownership of the club. Well, I'm sure he doesn't. Well, there's the answer. But at the end of the day, I think we're entitled to ask him to but for the surely, reasons that we're here. He, surely he can formulate an ownership model that, that gets is him reciprocal. It, it gets him gets the him things something. that allows him to do the things that he wants to do as the owner of the club and then it also allows the new investor yeah, I know. let's say for investments <laughs> it's a football club from OC to do what it is that they want to do yeah, and, and I don't. just want to add in one point there's also that factor that I talked about before the free money from Foxtel to mm-hmm. me a foreign club buying us to me would be a no-brainer because you've got literally every salary, every wage of each of the players paid for by the TV deal. So all you've got to look at is paying for those four players a visa, because you know um, two of them can be outside of the cap, and then just fitting the other wages underneath. Yeah. Cost of administration. And then there's no, the promo- then no promotion got, relegation as there's well. There's no promotion yeah. relegation, yeah. and then you've also, like you said, it's just the administrative costs, which they've been running football clubs. You know, for decades, some of them hundreds of years. Yeah. So they just bring across that experience, like a template, and then help run the football side of things. And, and Mike can then just continue on being the owner. And I think this is what a lot of questions people ask is, what's your real motivation for wanting to own this club? Property. Mm. What is it? You know, like... If Mike... If, look, if if Mike would have had... If Mike had have come out last week at the Q&A... No, Hedford. ...and said... I'm interested in property. I'm looking for investors to run the football side of things. I'd have been like, cool. You you go and do that. You worry about the centre of excellence. As long as it all stays a part of the football club, if he goes, I'm going to look for someone else to run the football side of things, to invest in the squad, to invest in the team, blah, blah, blah. I'd be like, great. But he hasn't done that. And if he's not looking for investors, then he needs to. Because no. to me, it's clear he doesn't have enough money. And instead, he makes announcements that, like he did on Wednesday night that we're going to buy To draw the heat away. Yeah. We're going to okay, buy Okay, explain a that because I didn't watch it because I didn't want to waste my time. But can you... Just <laughs> we're going to buy a house. I wish everyone could <laughs> I hope see it's my house. face right now. <laughs> So we're back. We're back to property. Yeah, exactly. It's well, he property. doesn't help the people who have that theory, does he? We've because gone full circle. Well, well, that's that just, was the segue. That well, just doing light and Boise. He, he basically said what he wanted to do was purchase a property, uh, which I assumed from, from the way he said it was a house somewhere here on the central coast mm. that would allow the club to then try and find the best ten talented kids from around the country to come and live at that house. They'd probably obviously then be a part of the academy. Depending on their ages, they would go to school here, whether that's international football school, whether there's a tie in there or not. That wasn't alluded to. Um, and, yeah, from there. So, um, so we'd build, no buy actual, a house, build a block of flats, and then put kids in it. N- no actual <laughs> right? talk about scholarships. So an, an orphanage. 
Well done. No, no talk about scholarships. So wouldn't you think that that would be the news, not the property part of it? Mm. Okay, that, so that the, we're so going to provide scholarships for young footballers and we're going to back that up by having a house where they can actually live. Um, but So this is this whole grand idea that he has about uh, the academy team supposedly funding the first team and we're going to get all these magical transfer fees from the academy team. I'm not sure if he's been to Plume Park on a Sunday afternoon at 3 mm. o'clock. Uh, when it's freezing cold and watch us play in MPL 2, not in MPL 1, mm. MPL 2, there's n- I go every single week and watch them. I like them all. There's some decent players in there. You go for us. There is not... I do. There's not millions of dollars of worth of talent running around in there. It's not going to happen. Well, I think this is... From what I've read on the forum too, from what a, a lot of the guys on there have been saying is that We've had a youth policy now for three to four years. Mm. Um, and who have we sold in those last three or four years that's made us a significant amount of money? Well, th- that's their point. So <laughs> if he wants to continue on that tact and thinking that that is itself going to become a revenue stream, I mean, he says, you know, we're a, develop- we, a development club. Mm. Every club in the A-League is a development club. Of course. You know, mm. uh, every club is offering young players a chance to play. It's just that over the last of three to four years, we've predominantly offered a lot more places and chances to younger players than what the other A-League remember clubs are. Arnie, remember Arnie came out and said that the A-League isn't a development league. He no. disagreed with everything, but He's a I think it, it definitely is. It's like young Aussie players need to get a chance somehow and the A-League's the first division of Australian football. A lot of them have a chance in the NPL before to try and start their careers. But I think the problem is, is that not a lot of them get that chance in the A-League mm. because with Sydney, with Sydney, Sydney is a prime example, it's all about foreigners and bringing in the best foreigners to win the league and that's what they've done the last two seasons. Yeah, and I mean, the typical thing that's happening now with us is that when we had the Matty Ryans, the Bernie Abinis, the Mitchell Dukes and all that running around, we were, Caceres, we were one of... Fitzgerald. We, I mean, Sydney FC and the Wanderers, obviously the Wanderers weren't around, Sydney FC were around, but we didn't have as much competition with young players and that. And we now were, we've we were got, poaching from Western Sydney yeah, and exactly. now when the Wanderers now, came in, yeah, now we lost that. Now the Wanderers have a team in the MPL and a youth squad and so does Sydney we lost that talent stream I don't want to say rejects because that's harsh but we get some of the ones that maybe don't make it I mean there's a number of kids that play in our youth team that have come from Western Sydney because they haven't made it at Western Sydney which makes me then also question and other people as well as to why because he also said on Wednesday night that he wants to start a new Mariners Academy in Western Sydney so did he? Yeah, yeah he yeah, did. That's 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 what he wants. So I'm about I, to get up and leave. I, I don't understand. <laughs> what his, was it the Western Mariners? I don't understand his reasoning for that. Um, in in regards to trying Anything. to make this youth um, policy to reap dollars towards the end of the day, because as you just said, we're only going to pick up the kids that the Wanderers don't want. Yeah, um, I mean, let's say you've got ten kids. One of them might make it. The odds of Getting a transfer fee of you know more than eight hundred thousand or whatever, super super slim. But see, that's it. Those ten, not fund those ten kids living in the house. That's here on the coast. That's outside of this academy setup that's in mm. Western. So that's an additional thing on top of that. Again, yeah, we've already got an academy here. We've got links to. Well, I think is it Northbridge, the, the um, yeah. North yep. Shore Mariners yep. Club down there. So, sort of, we have have a link there. So we, we've got quite a, a decent pool of, of players to, to look at for young kids, but. I think, as I was saying to you guys um, off-air before we started tonight, 
I think the real problem with that is, is that it comes down to we don't have a director of football. No. And we haven't had one since Laurie has left the club. So in that regards, you know, identifying players, uh, players to, assisting a coach to sign players, that's all been left in the hands of the head coaches that we've had. Going back to Phil Moss with his signing, once Arnie left and Phil, Phil Moss was basically at the helm for players that were signed and, you know, the way the academy worked and all those sorts of things. Subsequently with Wormsley, the technical director, mm. um, he filled that head coach role. Nothing sort of w- was gained from that. He then, you know, left the club, Ocon comes in and he's got the same helm. You know, based off the back of his experience of coaching the Ollie Roos, I think maybe Charlesworth thought that you know he he's had his eye on, uh, you know, his finger on the pulse of all the great kids that are, that are currently running around playing football, mm. which you know, we, as we all did, hope would be a boon. It brought Daniel De Silva to the club, which was a great thing, you know, and I think that's probably one of the great positives to come about of Ocon's uh, short period of time with us, is is getting a kid like that here at the club, and and you know, and also Hiario. Oh yeah, the two the two Dutch guys for sure. I mean, so did last week do more harm than good for Mike? Well, that's a good question. Uh, I think for for some people's minds, it still left them with even more questions um, Mm. because as Aaron was sort of alluding to, we sort of had those questions about expenditure and why aren't you spending money and why should I renew my membership? And then, you know, the the rabbit out of the hat came with Mike Mulvey's announcement and subsequently these next minute he's up on stage and... The focus of them was, oh, great, we've got a new coach. It's already announced. And the focus was just primarily on Mike Mulvey. Okay, so. on to the second point. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. What was the first? No, sorry. <laughs> it's only been 40-odd minutes. Uh, Mike Mulvey, talking about him. Um, he's been in Malaysia and Thailand since uh, coaching Brisbane. I'm going to just guess that he's not coming with an assistant. Um, apparently, uh, you mentioned... Well, the video that he was asked about that with who he's going to bring in for a, as his assistant and he said he was going to ask the players first who they need who what they need you know which to me is is a good thing because obviously we've heard with Ocon and Yolik we had bad cop bad cop yes yeah. so obviously that's something that yeah pretty the sure he asked don't want. Harry McDougall if he wanted the job <laughs> well, well, I did ask him on the Wednesday night that, that was you a know, great hoping Mike doesn't wear a Mark Anthony jacket to um, <laughs> to academy anytime soon I did ask Mike on Wednesday night you know did he have any ideas of who he may put in as an assistant and I spoke to Sean after the game on Saturday night and um, he said it's too early for everything yet he doesn't well, know Sean actually hinted that you know he thinks that an appointment of an assistant coach may not be too far around the corner, that, that Mike pretty much has narrowed his search down to perhaps one or two that he thinks he might want to have the job. So hopefully that's not maybe too far away and that will give us a, yeah. a bit more better direction in regards to what's going to happen with this squad next year. Yeah, once you get uh, off to a good start. Appointment. So yeah. point yeah. two is Mike Mulvey's um, announcement, yeah? Yes. Okay, and, and, I, and, I, and I like that and it did lighten the mood in the room and all of that sort of thing, but... Um, but just back on point one momentarily. Oh, Jesus. It, nothing happened, including the appearance of Mike Mulvey, that gave me any confidence that anything will be different this year. We have a coach who's slightly more experienced. Some people dispute that additional experience and feel that he was delivered that in part as a hangover from the Ange Postacoglu period. Um, not sure if that's a, well, you know... Well, I'll make a point there to you, Aaron. Ironically, Paul Ocon was Mike Mulvey's assistant at the Gold Coast. Yeah, true. So Sean's true. just walked in. How are you, Sean? 
I'm going all right. I'm going all right. <laughs> so, yeah, Hello. you know, we, we basically signed the Gold Coast assistant coach as a head coach before we signed Mike Mulvey. So the seniority was there. Ocon's trajectory as a coach went from there to the national team. So he didn't really have a lot of first-team experience in that sense. So the Mariners really was his first gig in regards to that first team of football. But yeah, I, I know I'm still harping on it um, unnecessarily, but um, back on the point one, I guess I wanted to hear something at that discussion that, that was a clear um, change that made me feel like we were going to be somewhere different in another 12 months. And, and sure, I've got uh, greater confidence from Mike Mulvey's appointment, but... Um, like I said before, the the expenditure issue that hurt. Well, Sean has joined us. Hi, Sean. Sean. We were just <laughs> we've just started talking about the new appointment of Mike um, and possible you know assistant coach on Saturday night. You said you think that maybe Mike may be leaning towards one or two prospective people to fill that role. Is there any news you can update us with on that? Uh, yeah, look, the uh, the last forty eight hours has been um, in- incredibly hectic. Uh, to us. say the least. Yes, so there's uh, there's been a lot happening that's there, um, and look, I do know that um, yeah, Mike will be trying, um, yeah, trying a uh, having a good look at a few people over the, over the next uh, couple of weeks while they're there. So um, I, I, it's not for me to let the cat out of the bag, but I, but I know he's um, he's working very hard in that space. Well, that's good. Can I just say it's getting a tad confusing with the two mics? No. You're going to have to. You're telling me. Yeah. We're going to have to give one or both different names, like. I don't know. We have to go with MC. The Mulvinator. <laughs> the Mulvinator. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Aaron. <laughs> I just, that was, yeah, spontaneous. How are how you after Saturday night, Sean? Dumb question, but I'm just going to, let's just throw it out there. Uh, I don't know what happened on Saturday night. Like, you know, you see the movies where people just black out. Yeah. Well, many drinks were had after the game. But it's, uh, yeah. it's, it was uh, very somber. Uh, there's... I don't want to talk about it. No, which is fair enough. I think yeah. the league, the league club was happy we'll with their beer sales on the, on Saturday night, I reckon. Um, you you right to do impromptu Q&A from fans? Yeah, yeah. If this is... Uh, is this sounding right? It's sort of yeah, yeah, crackling my ears, but if yeah. it's sounding right for you guys, yeah. Um, I don't know if it's Bocky or Buki, but Vukovic. I would like to know how Sean... Uh, how the Sean went in Serbia. Um, Serbia was a um, particularly uh, unique trip, uh, to say the least. Uh, learned a lot, met um, met some uh, some of the big clubs and the chairman, and uh, what Serbian football is all about, which uh, yeah, which is uh, which is very unique. But to answer a question, um, we learn a lot about football uh, there and uh, and how clubs um, you know in uh, in different models work. Uh, took a lot of uh, insight from that, but um, but didn't really get. Uh, we we didn't find a player, we didn't find a marquee, we didn't find yeah you know, anything too substantial. But if anything, it was more about Mike and I. Uh, understanding more about what we want for our club here, um, and and, uh, and what we can learn in Serbia to um, to take uh, back home. So, what was the catalyst for that? Why, why, why Serbia? Why go there? What was Mike Charlesworth reasoning for that? So, um, the ca- the catalyst was there was um, there was some advice from. Um, um, so from some contacts that we've had, that there are some really good players that are there. There are some really good systems, and and Serbia is um, is is generating some players because of the tougher conditions coming out of the league. Um, that uh, that you can seriously go there, pick up some cheap players, um, you know, and bring them in because they don't have their EU. So unlike Croatia, if you if you're a Croatian player, you can go through Europe. Serbia players can't. So they don't um, have that easy pathway. So, um, no, no. So they're more likely to want to come here to a, to a first division uh, league. Yeah. You know, in, in a country that's you know, well, as I was saying, the guys earlier is qualified for four World Cups. So Australia to them would look like.
like a good place to land. Yeah, so so we're hearing, you know, Ninkovic and you know and uh, Marinkovic and the players that have been here. Well, they, they weren't superstars over in Serbia. So, um, And then, you know, I suppose for us it's about finding what are the right relationships that we can have with clubs over there. Is there good relationships to be had? And, um, and, and whilst we, uh, we met a few clubs, we had a look at a few, um, um, there, was, um, there was probably a high risk in, uh, in having strong relations with some of them. So, right. so nothing at this point in time is eventuated. Okay. Jimmy? Yeah, sorry, I'm just uh, filtering the questions. Um, are we aff- okay? Sparks has <laughs> asked, are we affiliated with any clubs overseas or domestically? Um, yes, yes, we are. We're definitely affiliated with the Blades. Um, that that's uh, that's continued. Kevin McCabe is still technically a board member, um, but uh, but I'm in regular contact. So is Monty. Uh, with the with the blades, which is fantastic, we've got a direct relationship with Balzan over in Malta, where Harry Ashcroft is at the moment. So, and that's uh, via uh, the chairman there at Balzan, who's actually based in Sydney, who's a big supporter of our academy. Uh, we have um, Monty's got strong relationships with uh, with with the club in Hong Kong, and also um, with with uh, the club in Vietnam, where we sent kids where we sent kids over for a, for a tour. Um, uh, my time in Japan formed a really strong relationship with Cesaro Osaka um, and again as we look forward to the Asian player um, being there you know, some of the thought is a relationship with a good club will allow us to offer a loan uh, deal that could get us a, a potentially better quality player than just going straight to the player direct So don't, you're, don't you're, hinting, you're hinting there at the 4 plus 1 rule change is that what you're uh, yeah, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. We're, yeah, we're confident okay, that that's in place so that's going to happen so yep. yeah, great yeah, well so, that's good news to hear yeah so um and uh, and yeah, uh, we've we've got, we've got a relationship with Tottenham uh, in reg- in regards to player exchanges and um, um, yeah, so so but the, the the real strong ones is definitely the Blades and definitely Balzan. Yeah, well, just touching on Tottenham, if we can just veer off. You're taking Tom- big questions already. I'm sorry, mate, but <laughs> these have been some of the things few people have said to me this year. Tom Glover, we've got him online from Tottenham. Um, some of us were sort of questioning, you know, once Ocon sort of decided to leave, uh, why we didn't sort of give him a run. Um, earlier on to sort of find out whether because we've seen very little of him and, and, and what he can possibly do will we have him next season um, is there a possibility no so Tottenham will be taking him back we're not sure shake of the head still uh, still the negotiation still, still working through that okay. um, like I said it's been a busy 48 hours and um, and uh, uh, the details I don't have. I haven't sat down with uh, with the goalkeeper coach. I know Mike Mulvey has uh, spent some time with Tom today. Yep. Um, you know, and also um, and um, and he'll catch up with the goalkeeping coach. So, um, so I'm not across the, uh, the 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 football reasons right at that level of detail. But um, yeah, that's yeah, that's where we're at. Uh, w League update, including progress on the changing rooms that were meant to be delivered last October. Yes, um, we're hearing that the um, that the change rooms are due to start. Um, so and uh, and so that'll be one um, one uh, thing ticked off. However, the W League is probably absorbed into the FIFA conversation, which is unfortunate. Um, and at the moment, it's um, yeah, with all the clubs uh, putting in uh, expressions of interest for A League licenses and W League licenses and Southern expansions and and all that, it's become a very very messy conversation. And mm-hmm. uh, and that unfortunately for us has held back. Uh, uh, w League for us. The uh, directive from the FFA is that they want W League to be a home and away season before they expand to a 10-team competition. Now, only time will tell if they stick to their word on that because it's difficult for them to expand to a, to a home and away uh, season as the majority of the W League players are getting contracts overseas, which squeezes their time and availability to, to come into um, 
uh, to come into the Australian market. So, so that'll cost them some money to uh, to expand it to a home and away. That they've said that that's the first step, and then they go to a ten-team competition. Um, but I'm sure that they'll get a lot of pressure from a lot of the other uh, new um, expressions of interest for A-League licences to include a W-League licence in there as well. So there's um, there's a lot of noise in that space and um, and only time will tell. And, and I think the FIFA working group needs to be sorted out uh, before we will get any real headway through with, um, with an extra uh, W-League licence being granted to us. Andrew Thurban, uh, is anyone in leadership at the club prepared to comment slash apologise for Saturday? How does the club intend to entice back members who are walking away when Mike has stated that he refuses to properly invest in the club? Yeah, look, I um, appreciate the question from Thurbs and, um, and I do believe that Sully did apologise in the post-match presser. Um, yeah, that was there and, 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 of, and, and of course we're sorry. Of course it's, um, you know, uh, from, from my perspective as CEO, I, I want to apologise to everybody um, on, on that and... Um, um, you know, and it's and it's with a with a really, yeah, um, yeah, sick feeling in the stomach that that, that I say that. So, uh, but you know what we've you know we've got to work hard. We've got to move forward. That's um, there's there's no other way. That's um, you know we're, we're not giving up. And um, and um, and I know you know just how hard we've been working the last 48 hours. Um, yeah, it does buoy me. I I, I definitely uh, um, yeah feel feel like you know what this is this is the toughest challenge that we've ever faced as a club. Uh, but um, but we've we've got to take it on. Yeah. Coastal Raider asks, uh, did Mike watch the game on BT Sports? What were his thoughts? Yeah, look, um, like some of the questions that couldn't be read out to Mike on the Mike night, it was probably the similar sort of vocabulary that I might have heard from my Charlesworth um, about the game. You know, So, um, look, it wasn't good. Um, and um, I might... Um, I might give you the privilege off air of uh, talking about a bit of that. So, um. What was Mike Mulvey's impression then after the game? Um, he, he obviously spoke to the players prior to the game. What was that on the, the following his announcement on Wednesday? What sort of things did he talk to the players about when he first met them? Yeah, look, he uh, he, he caught up with them at training. He said, I want, I want to keep out of it. I want you guys to do your thing. You know, yeah, he's only just, just come here. Um, so, so he wanted to keep in the background, wanted the focus to be on Josh Rose. Um, so, but he said, he said, you've got an opportunity to get out there and to show me to show me what you've got and that you want to be here. You've got a real opportunity now to to, to, to show me what's um, you know, what you're capable of and um, and go do it and go show me that. And um, uh, that was the only time that he spoke to him, which was uh, which was you know, 48 hours before kickoff. And um, and uh, and then yeah, we're, we're up in the grandstand for, for most of the game. So um, look, you know, there's um, at the end of the day, from Mike Mulvey's perspective, he goes, well, well, that's just totally unacceptable, and and um, and we and we won't be doing that again. So. Um, yeah. And you know, obviously now he realises the, the magnitude of the situation that he's going to have to face then for, for next year in regards to trying to rebuild this squad. Yeah, look, he's he's extremely positive. You know, he's 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 very positive, and, he, and he's looked at the numbers, and he's looked at the budgets, and he's making calls, and he's, you know, he's um, you know, he's 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 an experienced head coach. You know, so he knows what he's doing. I, I, that's what gives me so much more confidence. Is um, you know, we're not having to learn anything for the first time. He's he's been there. He's done it. He's he was in. You know, uh, whilst he describes it as a um, the the playing squad at at Brisbane were you know, better quality. Uh, the culture was was you know was was pretty poor, and he had a lot to turn around, and and that was the key thing. So everything for him at the moment is focused on culture, is focused on having the right people, focused on people who believe in the club, who believe in our community, um, and uh, and simply put, he's saying it to the players: if you don't buy into that, it's okay, just go find another club, because because the success for our club is, is about that. So whenever there's a Socceroos match, 
you know, the uh, mar- former Mariners, they get together, they take a photo and they send it to Sharon Baxter. Um, and, and they do it every time and, it, and it's a cultural thing. And uh, it shows that the players that this club produces are players that buy into the club and buy into the community. That's our successful model. We, we, we generally don't produce anyone that doesn't actually buy into all that. So, um, so, so we've got to call that and tell that to, to players before they come here that, um, that, that our successful model for their growth and for their best performance is to have that mentality. And if you don't have that mentality, then it's OK. You, you're going to be better suited at another, at another club. Um, so so he's, 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 got a, he's got a fantastic approach to it. He really wants to change the narrative. Um, he, um, he, yeah, he senses that the, you know, the club's been, um, you know, been beaten up for quite a fair bit of time and, um, um, and, and until we really get some clear headspace, get some different leaderships in the, in the playing stocks, um, you know, and um, yeah, that's, uh, it's going to be a big cultural shift for us. Well, you talk about that culture. The result on Saturday night, you know, it's pretty much the darkest hour this club, I think, seen it with that score of 8-2. How would you describe the culture that produced that result then on Saturday night? What, why did that occur then? I mean, yes, we've lost our coach, you know, multiple games back. Sully's coming, he's a caretaker. But that culture should realistically still be carrying on uh, from what started this, which we started the season very brightly. You know, a lot of people were very optimistic about it. We were competing very well. Yeah, look, you know... Um uh, you know, you get to the end of the season, there are players who have made their decision that they're not staying with the club or they have the uh, confidence that the club won't be keeping them. Um, they haven't put in uh, some of the performances, perhaps. Just to um, interject you there, you said that the club, you know, they know that the club won't be keeping them. Has that been said directly to players before the, this game on Saturday night or has it been known, made known to them, should I say? Not, not prior to the game. Right, OK. Not, 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 not prior but they to just the have game. a feeling that they won't be, won't be around here next season and what that you're saying that that just shows in, in their performances. That could be could right. be one scenario. I haven't spoken to the players. I okay. don't know that. Yep. So, so that's from a club's perspective, not from a football uh, coaching team's perspective. That's there. So, uh, what I can say is there was a raft of different emotions on the field after the match, which I thought was intriguing. Oh, yes, um, I, that was clearly evident uh, yeah. amongst different players. That you, for sure, if you'd hung around after the game, you, you would you saw that if you. you you know, took the time to take that time for Josh and kept your eye around the field. That was evident to me. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so it was a very, very unique scenario, um, and um, and unfortunately, as you described, uh, probably the darkest moment in the uh, in the club's history. So, yeah. it'll it'll take us it'll take us a long time to really unravel that and understand it and make sure that it never happens again. Yeah. When do the players' contracts expire? Is it end of May or end of June? Yeah, May thirty-one. So that's so we we probably won't hear anything about any. Any sort of releases or anything up until then? No, no, we will. Okay. What does Charles Worth plan to do with the club once the Centre of Excellence is completed? That's what someone's asked, and then someone has replied to that saying, who are you? And then they've replied by saying, the Senate. So I don't know what the fuck's going okay. on there. Um, so once Mike has finished uh, building the Centre of Excellence, um, I'm sure he'll be very proud uh, at that moment, and... Um, We'll reassess whether he sells, whether he builds more, whether he, um, you know, what he does. I, I don't know. That's, um, yeah, well, what do you do when you stop renovating your house? Do you keep renovating or, or, or I don't know how to answer that probably. So, Well, I think a lot of fans would hope that you'd think that you'd just build the house and make it bigger because ultimately as a club, that's, that's what we want to be, don't we? We, we yeah. want to be a bigger, stronger club and, and more importantly, one that competes. So I think that's probably where a lot of the questioning of that comes in regards to what uh, MC's motives are. Um, and, and why it's kind of at the focus of what a lot of people's questions are, which was on well, Wednesday night. I, I know that Mike is really passionate about making a difference to Australian football. 
um, you know, and uh, and um, whilst he doesn't go about it the traditional way of, um, of 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 spending big on the playing roster, he puts immense amount of time and effort into uh, into what he believes is is the real fight uh, with the FFA and the regulations and uh, and the structure of the A League. He really wants to make a difference. He's really passionate about coaching and uh, and the coaching structures. He has a really good look at what happens over in Iceland, and he's uh, he's actually well knowledgeable in, um, in 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 what has has happened there and. And so, so I know he's got a real passion for for all that space, and and he drives us, uh, he drives us mad at times. I'll be honest. Sorry, Mike. I know you're listening to this, uh, but um, but how driven he is about us making a difference in um, in, uh, in in football in this country. How much of a mess is the whole FIFA thing at the moment on the club? Uh, well, it's not a mess on the club. You know, the club keeps well, moving. Does it does yeah, it so. does it ham does it hamstring the club in any way? The only or? thing it, it, it would hamstring is um, is the focus of Mike um, Charlesworth is. Yeah, pretty committed to that. So, okay. um, so, so that's that's probably all, all it is. But uh, from a from a um, longer term perspective, it's about opportunity. It's not about hamstring now. It's about what could happen. It's about looking at you know, geez, this this could get really good. Um, but um, but at the moment, it's not. So, is from from what you're saying there, it's that he's obviously hoping that the independence comes to the A League, and then obviously the value of the club increases. Is he looking or strategically trying to align new investors to come into the club once that occurs? Um, Mike's always been open to, to, in, to investment coming into the club, and, and Anton Tagliaferro, who's, uh, who's, who's the chairman at, at Bolzan, is an example of that. Um, so, and um, um, yeah, yeah, I, I think it's, um, of course, anyone who wants their, wants their investment to grow, um, you know, and, um, and yeah, so I think it's. Um, for Mike, it's a journey. You know, he, he's on the journey with everyone. Um, you know, he's, he's doing what he can. He's, um, um, yeah. So some, some. Is, is that the one? Who is is this like the Logies? Oh, Who is that? Is it the Logies when the one up music comes on? Millie Camp's been talking for too long. Get him off. I've sounded more like Wheel of Fortune. <laughs> been doing it for three years, Josh. Bloody bloody call centers. Well, lucky, roughly. Lucky it wasn't you then. <laughs> Tell your mum to go away. Sorry, guys. I just had Mike calling me. He's not happy with what we're saying about him. <laughs> Tell the truth, Josh. Your sure. mum just rang and said dinner's ready. Yes, <laughs> so, um, that is hundred percent true. Do you know how roughly how much we lost with lack of uh, bums and seats this year? Um, I can, yeah, I'd be uh, close to close to four hundred and fifty thousand dollars behind budget. Right, just through the drop in attendances. Uh, yeah, and all the knock-on effects that yeah, come through, that come food, through and that food and beverage, yeah, yeah. yeah, merchant, all the little bits and pieces. Yeah. How's things going with council? Because we were speculating on that before. Yeah. Yeah. Look, council council's been great. You know, we've had great conversations with council and um, uh, Mike Dowling. The, the the relationship's been extremely positive. Um, you know, and um, and yeah, we've um, we're working through the new venue hire agreement, which is getting progress. So um, so so yeah, I, I can speak with a lot of uh, optimism around um, uh, around that relationship at the moment. So. Um, you know, it doesn't have meat on the bones at this point of time, but um, but we're all at the table, you know, ready for dinner. So the primary focus is just on stadium management rights, the the, the proposal that you put before with ownership and, and the development of the stadium, is that kind of off the table now in regards to the way the club want, well, Mike wants to move forward? Oh, look, whilst we've said to him that offer's always there, they've said yep. thanks but no yeah, thanks, no we, thanks we, yeah. we don't want a bar of it, so yep. let's just move Change on. Change tact and, and, and move yeah. on to stadium management rights. 
Yeah, yeah, not even not even standard management rights. It's just about a venue hire agreement. So, so council have um, have, have got a strategy in place. Yeah, you know, that they're going to invest. And this is where we started. When we started the journey, they weren't putting in the investment, but now they've started to put in the investment. So for us, it's almost like, well, this is a win. You know, the, the stadium's improving, and and um, yeah, and it's going in the right direction. So, um, so if um, you know, if they if they keep on keeping on, then then great. If the stadium keeps improving, everyone keeps having a better time. That's there. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure that you know. They can uh, have a good look at some of the uh, food and beverage, you know, offerings, you know, that, that are there, and they're having a good look at that, and uh, and that'll continue to improve. And um, yeah, the new speakers facing the northern end make it almost impossible to have a conversation now. Oh, it was oh, terrible. They're too it's, loud. It was they're too loud, really. So for for years we've had no speakers. Everyone complaining about the sound. I'd rather have no sound now, than now. how loud that was. <laughs> so it was ridiculous. I couldn't. It's the first I've heard about it. But we were this know. close, standing so in Bay Sixteen. We, we were this close, and we couldn't talk to couldn't each talk other. To each other. So. Oh. Which made no, me normally I get the complaints about the sound from the older Maybe demographic. The speakers. So, so generally, the ones who aren't listening to this podcast. Are, Sorry. The, the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, if Laura wasn't on this show, he wouldn't know how to download it. Well, even after the game. <laughs> so the volume Bazinga. was that, the volume was that loud. Even trying to talk to you in the leagues club after the game, my ears were that okay. ringing. It was difficult oh, well, to even hear you in the club. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll bring it up with them. Yeah. I'm sure it's not hard to turn the volume down. It needs adjusting. Yeah. <laughs> So, lots of, uh, so Mike mentioned on uh, Wednesday that um, he there isn't anybody who's interested in you know buying into the club. Um, can you clarify the truths of the um, infamous Martin Lee or Ledman come here with Laurie and they're going to buy the club, um, but but the, they don't. Um, yeah, look, look, I, I you know I, I applaud Laurie. Uh, he uh, he put a tweet up uh, not long after, uh, which which describes it yeah very well. They were they had. Uh, the Ledman Group had already met with the FFA. We're already looking at the Jets. We're already uh, down that path. Um, had caught up with me for coffee. Uh, Laurie and I had had you know, brief conversations about: Is this going to work? Is it, is it going to get going anywhere? And it was pretty clear that it wasn't. But uh, but, but but we caught up. We had a great conversation and uh, and looked at it. But at the end of the day, Martin got a really good buy there at Newcastle Jets, mm-hmm. um, and um, and I don't think anyone could uh, could could knock him for that. So was there ever a formal offer? No, there wasn't. But was there ever yeah, a formal? You know, you need to pay this to, to get the club. No, there wasn't either. But but a conversation did did take place. And um, uh, if fate would have been you know that. It was going to happen. It would have happened, but it didn't happen. So, um, so, so from Mike Charles's perspective, you know, quite appropriately, there, there hasn't been a, a legitimate offer, and, and, and there wasn't. And um, um, yeah, but that's that's okay. It's not like um, it just it, it is what it is. You know, I, I don't want to think that there's too much to, to read into it one way or another. That um, they were they were looking around. If you're going to buy a car, you have a look at what the prices of the other cars are. Kick, kicking natural, the tyres, I think, is yeah. the appropriate term. There, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I, you know, and and if um, and if no one believes my words, that's okay. You know, there's a, there's a good tweet. I hope you guys share it. And yeah, they're from Laurie, because uh, I know I've had the discussion with Laurie, and um, and, and that's why it happened. And Risk you mentioned to is. me too. Sorry, just in regards <coughs> to that southern expansion. You know, they made approaches to the club, but it was more I'm about hearing, relocating. I'm hearing rumours. Well, I know. I'm we spoke about that on rumors. Saturday me night. Too. I, think I think I think I'm confident <laughs> enough that the rumours I'm hearing. We talked about that earlier. Yeah. So, so what's the disclaimer? Allegedly, 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 that uh, Southern Expansion have accepted to purchase a Wellington Phoenix on the proviso they can relocate them. So um, I might be the first one to be bold enough to say publicly, but there's enough rumours going around. Who's uh, your about source? That, so. 
ITK, ITK. So Master Foods. ITK Ramble Podcast. <laughs> well, I did mention it earlier, but you only give it more legitimacy, which so, is good. Oh, there you go. Cool. That was just, just about what, word for word what Rowdy said earlier. <laughs> so Roddy, Rowdy's got some good sources. Speaking there. of Laurie, um, has he sent you any wooden spoons? No. Oh, so the rumour of 3,000 purchase wooden spoons, because I don't really see 3,000, was thrown onto the they field there spatulas. on Saturday Well, there were they the fucking a few. wooden spatulas. <laughs> well, come spoons. on, they're not too smart up there, so, you know, they've spatula spoons, same thing. I don't know, to be honest, I was more focused on Josh's, Josh Rose's farewell. Yeah, which was very good, and you made a very good speech to him, and I congratulate you on that. And it's just a shame the performance wasn't mm. great to have fans stay around and give him the send-off that I think he truly deserved. Yeah, 100% um, but agree. But I think he also probably would have gone home and thought that he, understandably, why fans may have left. It wasn't due to him, but just due to the result on the night. Um, and I don't think he might, would have, knowing Josh, taken that to too much of heart um, unless you know different. No, look, you know, to be honest, you know, I was there with him. I didn't really notice. Um, he spent a long time. There was still plenty that stayed around for a yeah. long, long time. So yeah. I'm sure he was, uh, he was very touched by, um, by those sentiments. And, um, yeah, he, he'll keep uh, – yeah, he's got plenty of community work to still do for the remainder of his contract. So, so it's like the John Farnham tour for him. So. Oh, right. <laughs> How was the relationship with Central Coast Football slash CC United? Um, look, I would like to describe it as the best it's been for. <clears throat> the best it's been for. I'm going to take a stab, maybe five years before my so time. Far. I'm going to I'm going to take a guess now. That's not really for me to comment because it's before my time. But um, look, you know, um, we've 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 yeah beat each other up. We've punched each other around. But you know, we've. Um, we, we, we both know that the right thing for the Central Coast is to move forward in a positive direction uh, and seriously have a look at the opportunities that were there. Um, I think it was yeah, from, from myself really wanting to make a big statement that this can work and that's why the Central Coast United match was on beforehand. Really passionate about it. I've taken plenty of blows and knocks and why you're doing it and, and plenty of questions around it and, you know, from, from, from cost to, yeah, to our academy and what that all means. But at the end of the day, I really hope that it's a moment that we look back on and go, you know what, the result was was terrible um, but I, I'd actually like it to also be remembered as as, as a point in time that showed that um, uh, that that all levels of football can work together at the same uh, I, to my knowledge and uh, and someone will prove me wrong I'm sure but this could potentially have been the first time that a grassroots um, you know a state league new football New South Wales match and an a league match was put together on showcase at the one time um, and um, and for me, that's a statement that that I'm be I'll be saying around the around the country to the other CEOs and to everyone because because the examples that we see locally are across the country. It happens in Adelaide. It happens in in Perth. You know the uh, the friction between you know, member associations, member federations, and the A League clubs and the FFA and all that is what's holding this game back. Um, and it's going to take strong leadership. It's going to take big decisions. And it's going to take some absolute balls to say, you know what, let's do it together. Let's do it together and and and, and put down the swords and show that the sport together united strong will we'll grow and get there so um, I, I really enjoyed the game I thought it was a fantastic game uh, I love seeing you know the uh, the amount of vocal supporters that were in the crowd even though they weren't wearing yellow and navy they were central coast um, so so I'm passionate about it um, and um, and um, and yeah I, I don't know how else to describe it I you know I, I think that this is if you truly take a breath and look back this is the way forward um, you know it's 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 we're not in competition with each other we, we complement each other um, and um, yeah, yeah so. so I don't know if you listened to our last pod but we did talk about it and say how this was a necessity and after being at sea for 10 days not having internet 
that was one of the first things I saw when I got back and I was surprised and I was really happy to see it and it, it's a massive positive yeah well, okay, great, 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 quite a bit of parochial support for the people that came early and watched the game. You know, yeah. there was quite a lot of cheering, and, and it was a great result for them that they actually won five nil. So uh, I think that probably a few people that weren't aware of them in those situations sort of thought, "Wow, you know, this team can play." Yes, despite what level of state league they're playing, yeah. but nonetheless, they were winning, and they had people there in the stands supporting them, which is only a positive. Yeah, and, and I think you're right in regards to the state league and an A league being the first time it's played. I think that's the first time the state league t- game has played at that stadium since the previous incarnation of Central Coast United which was back in 2005 when I was involved uh, with the club back then before it went bankrupt and that was in the NPL 1 uh, back then and it hasn't been a uh, state league game played at that stadium since then until now. Yeah, yeah. so, so um, I, you know we, we hosted the uh, uh, the board up in uh, up in the box as well, so I got to spend some time with um, with the CCF board. Mike Mulvey got to meet the uh, the CCF board as well, uh, which uh, which was extremely positive. And 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 again, when you look at yeah, you know, when you look at the pathways and what happens for our N- NYL and NPL uh, kids that have come through, and you and, and you look at Daniel McFarlane and what happens if he's a late bloomer. You know, he, he. You know, I, I agree, and I buy fully into, yeah, into that. That there should be a pathway. There should be a way for, uh, for them to to not have to leave the coast. Um, and um, yeah, yeah. So so let's let's just keep working through it. There are massive changes at football in New South Wales at the moment. Um, yeah, from what we're hearing about SAP being dropped and about you know youth football, you know, breaking into um, yeah into NPL one and NPL two. Um, massive changes that will come through, and uh, and. And if we're together and we're, you know, we, we get on the same path about what is the right um, you know, model or the whole of football plan for the Central Coast, um, let's, let's agree and, and walk in the same direction. And, um, you know, and it's going to be difficult because there's a lot of history, there's a lot of bad blood, there's a lot of you know, you know, time that's, uh, that, that's, and a lot of mistrust. Um, but, but that's exactly what, uh, what the game was about, is about showing that you know, let, let's, let's, let's earn some trust. It's, um, yeah, it's the only way forward. What's our relationship with IFS like? Very good, very good. good. So, um, so, we, so again, you know, um, IFS have been brilliant for us. It's, you know, um, you know they're, they're looking after our women's academy. Our girls are going fantastic. Dan Barrett's there. Um, you know, we've we've got our one-star programs that work, you know, in um, you know, in, in collaboration with them uh, as well. I think that they're a massive stakeholder for us. Um, and um, you know, Brad Porter's, um, you know, working with us in our academy, which is good fantastic as well. So, you know, it's, um, yeah. And, and again, when you when you take a step back and you look at football on the Central Coast. Yeah, we've got such a unique opportunity to become a new heartland because the A-League team will bring players uh, that don't leave and they stay here. And you look at Nick Montgomery, you look at Josh Rose, and you look at you know, uh, Dean Heffernan, you look at Patrick Swanswijk, and the list goes on. You look at Damian Brown, you look at Brad Porter, you know, you look at Matty Crowell, um, you know, and, and, and I apologise to, to, to you know, the others that I've missed as well. Um, but, um, but that's going to keep growing, you know. So, so as more players keep coming and they don't leave, they're going to look for jobs in football. And if you're a 12-year-old kid right now, take your pick. Do you want to be coached by Nick Montgomery tomorrow? Do you want to be coached by Josh Rose? Do you want to be coached by Dean Heffernan? Do you, you, know, you want to sign up? of the school and be coached by uh, by Adam Kwasnick. Um, you know, that's nowhere else in the country is offering that. And, you know, per head of capita, we've got to embrace that and we can only embrace that if we all get together and um, and turn it into the, into the beast that it could be. So it's like a legacy that this club can leave here on the coast that can then filter through right down to the grassroots of Central Coast football. I have to. That's our brand. Yeah. That's our brand. That's what I was talking about before about, you know, the players that go to the Socceroos and they love the club. That's the mentality that we need. 
you know, our players right now, um, they're, they're, they're out there at local clubs as we speak right now, um, you know, training, uh, training as many kids as they can. Well, just to expand on the International Football School, earlier before you came in, we talked about, or Boise was just a bit unsure of what Mike talked about on Wednesday night in regards to him stating that he wants to look at purchasing a property on the coast uh, to try and find the 10 best kids around the country and and house them here on the coast. Can you maybe expand on that a bit more and tell us, would the International Football School be involved in that and what sort of plans have you got? to look to put into place. Yeah, yeah. So for us, you know, to um, you know, identify the best talent nationally, um, you're going to need to be able to bring them here. Um, and, and when they come on amateur contracts, you can't pay them a lot of money. So you've got to you know, provide them the support. And if you're a 16-year-old boy who's who's out in country New South Wales, you know, who's, who's, uh, you know, who's a talented kid, well, well, you need to make sure that as a club that we provide the right um, you know, surroundings, environment, you know, that includes schooling. Um, there, there is a... Um, uh, a couple of apartments that have been identified just near the training grounds uh, at Long Jetty, and um, and I know we're looking to make a purchase that's there that can hold up to ten kids, um, and uh, only time will tell. But uh, but we're in negotiation with the real estate agent, yeah, for the purchase of that of, of that property, and uh, uh, and then then yeah, that, that allows us to. Um, um, to, to have a house that, that is that is a, a mariner's development place. And, and where does the responsibility lie, or who, uh, to identify these kids? Um, well, this is this is um, yeah, the talent identification is a is a high priority for us. So everyone uh, who's in the football department, um, you know, will work on that. So we've got a technical technical committee that we're forming from Mike Mulvey, Ken um, Ken Chembury, um, yeah, Nick Montgomery, um, you yeah, future assistant coaches uh, alike, uh, and. Uh, uh, we'll all come together and... Uh, Brains and trust. A, absolutely. Yep. So yeah. are you talking scholarships here, i.e. some uh, funding that these kids can win to find themselves in this place to get that kind of development? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there's, um, yeah, we're looking at the budgets that we can. Um, definitely this is where um, where uh, the investment from Anton Tagliaferro um, yeah, is, uh, is is crucial for, for a couple of scholarships, which would be great. It's also something that from a membership model, um, yeah, from a voting rights perspective, we... Um, uh, we're having a look at some models. Is is, is there some scholarships that um, um, yeah that can be generated uh, via our membership? Perhaps um, yeah, we just again you know, throwing ideas up up into the wall and seeing what sticks. And um, but um, but this is what we need to do. We need to be far more innovative and dynamic to um, um, to, to get this right. Well, just going on the membership there, you talked about that on Wednesday night in regards to season ticket holders and memberships, and you're trying to make a differentiation between. T- between the two from what you've just said then it it sounds to me like that memberships perhaps now going into the future will be looked upon much differently to season ticket holders and and there will be that differentiation between the two how how will that work I've always been very passionate that in theory there's a difference between a member and a season ticket holder so uh, I believe that a member is someone who um, who, who is um, genuinely connected to the club uh, not just um, yeah, uh, cheering, uh, cheering on the sidelines, and and um, and I suppose the, the the point there is 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 I totally accept, and yeah, we'll need to budget for the fact that season ticket holders will not join us, or there will be less season ticket holders next year because of our on-field performance, uh, because the season ticket holder goes to to watch what's on the on the park. Um, however, um, I'm hopeful that from a membership perspective, that um, that we can offer more than what's just on the on the field, um, and if that includes for me. Uh, I'm very passionate about voting rights and about being able to have a say in how the club is, is run. That's a, that's a difference than just getting your season ticket or getting your ticket to the game, uh, being a member of the club. And um, it's something I've always been passionate about. I, I think it is the right model for, for us uh, moving forward. 
Uh, it will take some time. We need to get a lot of feedback from everybody, but the more benefits that we can include into a membership, the, the more um, you know, um, you know, uh, untangible, uh, unfinancial things. So, so, so whether it's the, 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 the Facebook pages or, um, or, or whatever we can do for members, uh, we need to do. Dan's a fantastic membership uh, guy that we all know, and, um, and, uh, and, and the more engagement that we can have to really feel part of this club, uh, to feel part of the journey is, is, is what being a member is, is about. I'm, uh, I'm very passionate about that. So, um, so yeah, yeah, I am hoping that, um, uh, that by, the, uh, by October this year um, that, uh, that every member will have the opportunity to vote for uh, nominated candidates to go onto a strategic board and that strategic board is mandated with some criteria, whatever that criteria might be, to actually how this club's run. Um, so, and, uh, and I know Mark Charlesworth has bought into that as well. He's very uh, positive about that. He's aware of um, the, um, the advantage that other clubs have got because they've got locally based operating boards. Yeah, at Western Sydney Wanderers, there's you know four board members that, that are based locally. They go get sponsors. They 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 go get political contacts, and we don't have that advantage. Our owner's based in London, so he doesn't get to meet with the premier and have a one-on-one you know, relationship with Gladys Berejiklian. But um, but Paul Letterer does. So um, so so we need to find new ways to get around that. And if we've got a strategic board that has got some representation from our members, um, yeah. Yeah, that they, they, they keep can keep it real and keep it honest for us. Then um, I'm passionate that that's um, that's part of the long term, um, yeah, direction for the club. So you answer my next question. So we're looking at a specific person that would represent fans. Is that their sole job, or would that be part of their their job? On to the be board? honest, we need to get feedback from everybody. So um, um, as, to, as to to what that what what they would be expecting. Yeah, you know, what does that look like? You know. Um, because uh, it needs to be tangible, it needs to have some substance. But you know, they're not going to run the club. You know what I mean? So <laughs> no, no, yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, but there there are models. You know, the uh, the uh, um, um, the Seattle Sounders. You know, the members have got the opportunity to sack the CEO. So um, so that's what the only thing that they can do. So the members can all vote, and so the CEO's got to go. You know, that, that's that's uh, if you have a look at their history, it's, it's caused them some grief here or there. I'm not suggesting that. I'm not hoping for that. <laughs> I was about to say, you won't be putting that in, will you? Uh, so, but um, and you, to be honest, if that's what it took, you, you guys know me, I'd, I'd put that on the line every day of the week mm. yeah, for, for the better of the club. The, um, but, um, uh, but the reality is, is, is what is the right, what is the right you know, level of engagement? You know, you, you know, the, um, the model. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So. Right, I think that's about it. The rest of the stuff is sort of for us, I guess. Cool. I saw there was a well, question stuff. question from Mick Komet, but I think I answered it in, the, in that last one. Yeah, he's so I was waiting for yeah, just, just just to just to clarify. I'll say, let you answer that one on, uh, on Facebook. Perhaps, yeah. I was waiting for Mick to walk in. I thought that would have been fun. <laughs> so. I thought Mick was coming in. I don't know where he is. It's, he's uh, busy making comments on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, cool. Uh, thank you for joining us. We uh, thanks, it. thanks for allowing me to just randomly pop in on my way home again and. Um, Sure, my wife will be calling me soon. So, um, so thanks everyone, and and um, uh, look, you know, just again, want to want to want to apologise for uh, for the end of season, and just let everyone know that we're busting our ass to get it right. Well done, thanks, Sean. Thanks, thanks Sean. Thanks, Sean. All right, we're going to continue to try and answer some of the questions that uh, Sean couldn't really answer. Ian Trailers, someone tried to explain why we keep doing this to ourselves. Good question. It's a fair question. No. We're, we're gluttons <laughs> for punishment. I guess we we did make a shirt that had Forever Loyal on the back, so we're definitely um, 
Our loyalty is definitely being tested. That's for damn sure. Because it's a representative of the coast. That's where I live. Yeah. So I grew up. It's the only professional club on the coast. You got to get behind them in the good times and the bad. And it's been four years of very bad. Playing a sport I like. Yeah. So, yep. Anyway. Because football is a great game. There we go. Yes. Um, talk about the ownership situation. Clearly people aren't happy. It looks like Mulvey... If Mulvey doesn't go well, then something's got to give. Not really. I think we've discussed this. If I don't know. We've had a few coaches now. This seems to be the same issue, but the wheel keeps on turning. This one's experienced. We discussed that before. Yes. Well, I think in that, talking about that particular topic, as Sean sort of talked and hinted at before, the FIFA problems, at the moment I think the Mariners as a club have a lot of balls in the air that when each ball drops and is caught and fall, has a knock-on and flow-on effect. And, and FIFA coming in and determining whether the A-League independence comes about has a massive impact on the club. That then in turn changes Charlesworth's perspective on what he can do with the club or what he, whatever it is that he wants to do with the club. And obviously the value of the club goes up and it becomes um, a better opportunity for outside investors to come in. So until that's sort of determined about what's happening with the league, um, you know... As some other people I know, serious on the forum, has said that you know, in two years' time, or even in twelve months, because Mulvey only has a twelve-month contract, um, we could be in this exact same situation in twelve months' time if the A-League independence hasn't come about, and secondly, an investor hasn't been brought in as well to provide additional resources, because we've seen what the lack of resources has done to this club over the last three or four years, and it's going to be a, a tantamount project for, for Mulvey, I think to operate on the same budget that Ocon has had to get better results uh, in the following season. I'll be happy with six. I won't be surprised if we're back here in 12 months. Mm. And that's yeah, I'd a, agree with that on 12 months. That's sure. a bad thing to think of as well, to think that we're going to be in the same position next year when obviously that's not what we want. He's got two years, of course, though, so um, that's, yeah, yeah, two that's the announcement. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so he's he's got time. I okay. don't think time right. is his big enemy here. No. It's the cost. It's the money. It's yep. the same thing. All right, Matthew Austin. I'd like to know how many players Mike Mulvey is looking at bringing in next year, and will he change the philosophy from four through three that matches the curriculum to something more realistic that might bring out the best in our players? And has he got any particular targets or players he might bring? With him or coaching staff, uh, well, we sort of mentioned the coaching staff. There's 13 staff players coming off contract, so that's 13 spots that Mulvey would look to fill. So, so blanket wide, pretty much, he's going to look at trying to much. fill all sorts of players. So um, that's basic answer. He said on the last Wednesday at the when he was announced that he's not an FFA curriculum person, not going to abide by what Ocon said, which is a big thumbs up from everyone. So plan B, so. Josh? He might have a plan C, which is unbelievable to think of. So, yeah, so what was the other... What was it? Um, uh, we've basically heard... Has he got any particular targets? We don't know yet. No. It's too early to say. We've basically heard he's going to um, sign the best players he can get on with the money yep. and then make the the tactics to suit those players instead of what we've had. Have a set of tactics, sign players to it. Square pegs into round holes. Yeah, if those players aren't good enough, then you're up shit creek. So. Yeah. I think uh, a comment Sean made was interesting in that he said that 
Mulvey doesn't buy into the, the Dutch terminology of a nine and a six, that he just sees forwards, midfielders and defenders. Mm. So I think that might sort of give a bit of insight into you know, the question there about philosophy and formations. Uh, that we may not necessarily so see I think four three three is a out replication. Dutch, of, the Dutch system is a four three three, so I think that's out. Yeah, well, yeah. more so of players of what he sees them as their roles and responsibilities in a particular name of what a defensive midfielder is or an attacking midfielder. Um, so, can I just say I don't know why we were doing a Dutch system considering they haven't qualified for the World Cup <laughs> or the Euros from memory. I don't get it. Well, we did sign two Dutch players, and perhaps maybe Ocon was looking to have those, you know, uh, Brahma and Hiarie expand their knowledge and, and experience of, of playing in that system, which, you know, a while ago was very successful. And you know, coming from the total football generation, yeah. um, they were there as younger players. Though, isn't it, that, that would then expand across into the, the whole team. The um, problem with that is that that was thirty years ago. That's way out of date now. You can say no. The full three wasn't that long ago. But yeah. if you're talking about Croy for not... Yeah, Croy total football. Total football. Every player can play in every position. Yep. So, yeah. anyway. Um, Martin Rayner asks, if future of active support in the club, lots of people seem to be taking a back seat, which is fine, but where to for next year? It's a question I've been thinking about as well, um, for sure. I will mention here, um, I've actually played the drum for the last time. Um, it's the last time I'm going to take a drum anyway. He's hanging up the drum. You're announcing your retirement, yeah, Jimmy? Yeah, it's my last, last game. <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> Why did you do that? That was Morrow, by the way. Um, been doing it since season one. Are you okay, little fella? <laughs> Jesus. You're not three, are you? I've had my drum skin signed almost every year by the players, and uh, it's, that's it for me. I've had enough. I'm glad you said drum skin there, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I even put a uh, Turnbull out petition on one once and uh, all the players signed it because they wanted to be rid of him. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think there'll be, there'll be some sort of announcement in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, we're going to get together. Um, Pete is also stepping off from Megaphone and Eggy's not going to help him in, anymore either. So That's three pretty core members of the Yellow Army that aren't keen on doing it next season, so... We need some fresh blood in the bay, I think. I know there's a couple of people that want to step up and do it. They're going to need your help, though. Not talking to any of you five. <laughs> I was going, what? Like, what? Yeah, specifically Fred. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> listeners, um, if, you're, you know, if you've ever considered going in, you know, it, it can be good, um, depending on the results. <laughs> but uh, if you're young enough... And you want to give it a go, go in there. I know that uh, one of the guys that wants to take it over is uh, quite young. Was he late teens? So, I have no idea. But, uh, yeah, we're going to have a meeting and, and work out what to do with the name, what to do with the, you know, our online presence. And we're going to continue doing merch, I think. Um, but, yeah, so more to come from Speaking that. Speaking of, just a, just a little segue there, how did the um, Yalism shirts go? Well, Fred's wearing his right now. Well, Fred is the male model right here that's got the shirt on, but how did the sales go? Did a few people pick well, them up? Well, we've already sold them all, but people aren't picking them up. Yeah. I've I still w- got some of the... I would love to pick them up. I still haven't. I haven't picked mine up. I still would well, like Well, you should have come to the game then, Josh. Yeah, I know. I'm a shit fan. I didn't go to the game. <laughs> I came, I came down fans. to the bay after about 15 minutes. There was no one there. No, I made that up. <laughs> 
You blanked us. They all left. <laughs> well, as far as the numbers for, the for active support, That's which is problem. what the question was and, you know, what to do to God, I, I think basically the off-season's going to be pivotal in that. Uh, players that Mulvey's going to sign, the, the direction that he's going to take the team, and more importantly, what those pre-season results, uh, how they fall. Uh, FFA Cup, even more importantly. Good results you know, will bring the will, people back. Will we have a third year where we're knocked out in that first round? Uh, if, if so, I think that's going to be a major problem for the club to, to, to overcome if that's the case. So, um, you know, hopefully someone at the club will, will point that out to Mulvey that we've, you know, failed to qualify that for that two years in a row. That the recent one has had had a big impact with that loss down there at Blacktown. It, don't treat it as a preseason friendly. Yeah, game. you know, a lot of effort needs to be put into that because game that's how that's how I felt last season. Sorry to cut you off, Rowdy. How I felt last season with Ocon is that he treated the FFA Cup like it was a preseason friendly when mm. it's not. It's a competitive competition that we should be aiming to get as far as we can in that competition, and it felt like. You know, that game, we weren't, obviously, we weren't at our best. We were against a pretty good NPL side, and they deservedly won. So mm. it should be something to work on. And don't, don't treat it as a preseason friendly, treat it as a, like a precursor to an, as an A League game. Yeah, well, the, the detriment I saw to losing the game, it wasn't just the, the, the prestige that you're not now getting of being in the FFA Cup tournament, but to me, it's always about the quality of opposition that you then get to play by winning. You're going to then play a better quality NPL team that beat, say, another good quality NPL team or may have even beat an A League team. Yeah. But you also, you're guaranteed those pre season games. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, you will get to play other A League teams. In the past, you know, we, we pretty much had that game down at uh, not against Wellington yeah um, you know it'd be interesting to see whether that's going to eventuate this year or not um, considering the, the things that are going on with the possible relocation of, of Wellington maybe you know with, with southern expansion um, but you know we'll it's, wait and see it's disrespectful to the fans to not treat these things the way that the fans treat them we mm. want our team to win we want our team to win the FFA Cup forget about qualifying against MPL opposition yeah, yeah, and, exactly. and yeah. you know, sure, we can remember best last year, but the previous, the previous season, did we not sit um, one of our key midfielders on the bench even though he was ready to go? And by the time we put him out there, we'd already lost the game? Mm. This year, DDS? No, I'm talking... I'm, I've gone back to one of those French people. <laughs> You're talking Tavares? I'm talking Tavares, yeah. He sat on the bench that whole game. We just the disrespected the game. As well. We just totally disrespected yeah. the game both times. We disrespected mm. the fans, disrespected the opposition. Play a full strength side. Yeah. We yeah. have, we have, it's pre season, play a full strength side. Yeah. And we're on a hat trick now. So, you know. <laughs> and it's like, like you were saying, Rally, like it's good to get a competitive game against an A League opposition before the season. That's it's better, right. it's a lot better than a pre season game that's, you know, low quality, slow tempo. When you've got a competitive game against a fellow A League side, it's really good. Right, there's got uh, three people here basically asked the same question. So James O'Connell, Philip Melor and Andrew Holton have always asked, who would you keep and who would you get rid of out of the current squad? I said it before we were recording, so I'll say it again now. Anyone who was on the pitch at the end of the game, I don't know. Goodbye. What, motivate me to have a reason why you need to be extended or recontracted because I didn't see it on Saturday night. Wales? He wasn't contracted, so in his case then <laughs> he'd be a new signing. <laughs> but the but yeah, we had plenty of players out there who I think I can't see yeah, I can't see I'd say goodbye to a lot of the squad. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. most of the players would have to think that they're 
going to be battling to be signed next year, the ones that are coming off contract. Um, we know that Kennedy is signed for another year. Um, Golic's had a pretty major injury. His re-signing, I think, is going to be determined by his rehab. Mm. Um, you know, that break is just below the knee, from my understanding. How, how do you so think he went this year? I think he's good. He, you know, he's... His consistency wasn't at a good high level. I think him and Barrow was a partnership has good potential. Yeah, but when he did play well, he played the games he played well. I was happy with the way he played. Mm. But then there were other times where there were lapses and and, and things like that, and you just few poor balls out. Yeah, so but he always seemed that he wanted to be there. Oh yeah, mm. agree. You know, there, he seemed to, to to wear, and this is what Mike and the Shawns have said in the last. Few in the last week or so, they want the players to be out there that are wearing that badge with pride, and that's I, I'd like to see him stay. You know, I think he did well for that back line. Yeah, um, there's, there's a few questions over Italian. Barrow, I think, too this year. Um, uh, whether we would want to keep a player like him on inconsistent, um, yeah, and on, it all comes down to consistency too much, on and too much a, money to be. Too it's a visa. It's a visa spot as well. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the in the, the we're talking about the whether or not we would or wouldn't resign those players. So the players that are actually already got contracts are Barrow, Berry, Brahma, Bahaja, Hiarie, Hool, Rue, De Silva, and McGing. So. Barrow being at the head of that list and, and subject of conversation, obviously we would have to be separating from him if we wanted to break that or he wanted to break it. Well, hey, Hiario has to stay. I just bought a bloody T-shirt. <laughs> That's true. But, but I think true. even some of those players, even though they're on contract, you know, there's a good possibility that Mulvey may not want those some of those players. And, and you mm-hmm. know, and, and the way this league works, it's it's nothing for players that, that have got contracts to have those contracts, you know, just dissipate. And contracts mean nothing in this league. Yeah. But so. the question is, and we've got a fairly good track record for it, what do we do about the remainder of those contracts? Because any player who doesn't have a walk-up start somewhere else is well entitled to claim the rest of their contract. So... Yeah, we haven't been too good at this, especially with coaches, but also potentially with players. And so that's what we're facing, is if we want to get rid of the Barrows of this world, then we would have to... Um, would you get rid of Barrow? I wouldn't, personally, but that's just my view. Um, yeah, I think he's my player of the season, to be honest. Um, up until he broke his leg, then I felt that Anthony Golick was our best player. Yeah, I would agree with that. Not at the start of the season, I doubted him. Um, I doubted him at the start of the season, but... Well, see, I agree with you. Golic was, and then obviously wasn't after that accident. So it went on to Barrow because he was more consistent. I don't think he was consistent at all. Mm. You don't reckon? No. No. I think he struggled to be consistent because he got suspended at a time that didn't help us at all. He's been injured more than once. Or is it suspended twice and injured once? That was the other thing. He did do a couple of silly things and get himself suspended. And again, yeah. not too much money to be doing that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. So those same with, parts... Same with the Brahma, Brahma as well. Those parts of their game, didn't like those at all. No. When he was on the pitch, then the fact that he didn't get much of the focus, that's always a good point for me for a central defender. Yeah. But, I, yeah, I don't know that he got the consistency overall. Player season for you? Um, I'd have to agree with Aaron and say Golic until his injury, but I don't think there was one full season player that was consistent for every single game they played. Yeah, I I would have probably, if Hiario hadn't been injured, for me, he he was his form was pretty consistent. It was only maybe one or two games where he kind of 
didn't look, you know, looked a he bit was out Boxing of day, yeah. um, and probably that, had a niggle. Boxing at the time. day against Adelaide was when he when he came back from his first injury was he didn't look that great. And, he was a bit rusty, but yeah. And I think the team dynamic contributed to that. The way the team was playing on those particular games, um, it, it just didn't enable him to sort of get in there and do what he was doing really well in other games. So yeah, he would have been my player if he hadn't been injured and, and we missed him so much. And I think he was a pivotal factor coming off. You know, since he's been out. You know, the the team's forms and results really did take a big nosedive. Mm. Um, Brahma didn't really step up, in my opinion, to sort of take over uh, and, and provide that good leadership in the midfield and direction to, to the rest of the team, um, which I would have hoped he would have done. OK, so getting back to who we would and wouldn't sign or re-sign, uh, what do you reckon about Danny De Silva? Is he going to stay on? I know he's contracted. Seems doubtful. Seemed to get quickly injured when Paul Ocon left. That's about all I could say. Mm. He, was walk- he was uh, he was walking all right on the weekend when a few people seen him around the stadium. Yeah. Conspiracy theory. Does so? Where does Roma play in the the scheme of things? Do they dictate where he that's, goes? That's the three hundred and fifty thousand dollar question. They have first uh, or, refusal. Or, right. So. He could say, I want to go to City. Yeah. And Roma I, I don't know if it's dictated. up to Roma or if it's up to us or if it's up to oh. his contract. But well, look, based on form, I wouldn't keep him on form. I don't. He wasn't impressive to me in the back end of the season. Started the season when, off pretty well, but after yeah, that just he went started down well. Him. When things got hard, he seemed to throw it in the too hard basket and then it looked like he just gave up. You so, could say that by a few players, though. Mm. You could say that about two-thirds of the squad. Well, that gets back to the culture, you know, that that we're coming off the back of now from from Saturday night, um, you know, which is what what we asked Sean earlier is is what's kind of went wrong for the, that to come about, um, you know, and the club's looking to rectify that with you know the whole new appointment of Mulvey and, and mm. you know past players coming in, but mm. it's a good question, you know, why why did the, why did his form drop like that, mm. you know, um, subsequently Ocon leaves and you know then he's injured and and we don't see a lot of him from there and now we're left asking these questions now at the end of the season about it, is he going to be here next year? It really was after he come back from the young Socceroos as well. I was going to say that's what I believe was his problem that he was now the same after he came back from tournament, all the Roos tournament. God damn it! Yeah, which um, why we. We would send a player who I think at the time was probably on a marquee contract. Why we would want to allow that to happen? Why he would want it to happen? I don't know. Especially smack on. bang in the middle of the damn season. But he said all the right him. things, didn't he? He said that he wanted to be there and all of that sort of thing, but came mm. back looking like he'd played about six games in a day. Mm. Well, from my understanding, you know, even like looking at his wage bill, it's it's something like six fifty from from Roma and, and one hundred and fifty from the Mariners. So, you know, no. I don't think it's that much. I understood it to be three hundred and fifty from Roma, a total of oh, sorry, half a 350, mil. Sorry, three fifty. One hundred and fifty yeah. from us. Well, yeah, three fifty, one fifty. Which started out as a marquee contract, was my understanding, and then during January, which is when we found out about those details, the change submitted to FFA to move it from marquee into the cap, okay. which then was the well, the reason was theoretically that that story suggested that we were creatively accounting with that marquee money to make sure we didn't breach the minimum spend. Other teams are creatively accounting to get their players inside the cap while we're creatively accounting to... Get our squad at the floor. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is why I bring and up... Our reaction is what all the other teams are doing, laughing. Just so, which is why I bring up, you know... Three points. 
the the fact board. about his wages because you know looking at that amount of money three fifty from from Roma and one fifty from us, does Mulvey want to spend that on a Daniel De Silva or would he rather spend that money elsewhere on a different type of player? Mm. Um, that's the big question. Um, right, Jamie Palmer asks if we could uh, list all the smoke and mirrors tactics by our owner. We don't really have time for that. No, We're already, they're yeah. already well documented. Yeah. Do Just some Google searches, Jamie. <laughs> Appreciate your, your feedback, though. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> no, it, it... Look, there's a lot, but... Yeah, we don't have time for that. It's a, it's a, very, it's a very forum question. There's like yeah. three paragraphs there. <laughs> there's not enough words in Word for Windows for that. Uh, Ferbs has actually asked us to be positive. That's something like him. Um, I think someone, someone, sarcastic, someone, hacked it, someone's hacked his account, surely. That's just being greedy. Sarcasm, come on. That's being greedy. Is that a real fan? Um, he was hit by a car leaving the stadium early on Saturday night. He's suffering head injuries. It's totally unlike him. I better give him a call later on tonight and check on him. Uh, we sort of talked about, he's asked us to talk about Central Coast United. We sort of have. Um, it's good to see. They are in, what, State League 4, basically. So, you know, it is quite a low league, but, uh, you know, it's good to see one Coast team winning. It didn't seem to be the focus when um, we asked Sean about that question, but what I like the most is that there are opportunities for young kids to get in front of good coaches. I think I probably said this last week, but um, it's not about first grade for me. It's about all yeah, of those we'll discuss this. So, yeah. younger players. There you go, Thurbs. Um, and then Jason Stewart Wright, um, given that Charles Worth at the forum seemed to indicate that absolutely nothing is going to change in terms of funding in the next few years, would it be fair to say that our entire strategy is to hope that our new coach manages to find some really good unproven and, and cheap youth? We've sort of talked about the club strategy going forward. If you know Charlesworth might want to change and bring another club to sort of half fund operations, I don't know. Um, Doesn't have to necessarily yeah. be cheap youth. It can be cheap experience as well. I mean. To be honest, Mulvey's going to have to be a bloody miracle worker to get any sort of decent sort of result, I think, with the money that he's going to be given again. Well, and he's going to have his job cut out for him too, to try and convince Massively. players to want to come and play at this club. Um, you know, with you know the result from Saturday night, um, you know, some players may be looking at it and sort of think, you know what, the Mariners are on a real downward spiral. And mm. Is this a club I really want to go and move to? Mm. Some players who are looking for an opportunity and that don't have it elsewhere, yeah, they're going Golic. to want to sign on really quick. That's what Golic signed. So, yeah, and, but, but others that, you know, pick and choose and sort of think, is this the right, you know, sort of deal for me or maybe I'll go and play in Malaysia or Thailand mm. or, or somewhere else and, um, you know, they're going to say no. So. Yeah, I, I, you know, I genuinely think he's probably taken a pay cut to come here with the money that he was on over in Asia and probably over in Thailand because there's a lot of money on offer over there, whether it's a big pay cut or a small one, but I think he's probably come here because he's genuinely up for the challenge. He's not here because he's on big bucks. Yeah, 100%. I'd agree, yeah. Well, he said he had an offer of, what, three times the amount of money to yeah. take another coaching position, whether that's just to kind of solidify, you know, his um, intent to sort of come here and mm. do a job, but, hey, I could have earned more money elsewhere, and whether it was triple, maybe a little bit more, who knows. But, you know, we've got him, he's here, and let's just hope he can get the job done. Um, this off-season is going to be really pivotal in to see what he does, who mm. he signs. 
We've talked around it. I mentioned it in the intro, so which means we need to actually talk about it. Uh, the shit show from the weekend. 8-2. Is, it's the lowest point in our club's history, isn't it? It's not just me. That doesn't even sound realistic when you say 8-2. Sorry, it was 2-8 because we were the home team. That's a FIFA well, it's an A-League record. Not that many. It's the first time yeah. 10 goals has been scored in a game yeah. in the league's history. Aaron's so, got steam coming out of his ears over so there. So that's... You know, I hate <laughs> to even talk about it. It's one of those achievements that, you know, that was we're dumb. not going to be proud of. That was dumb. Um, we've won the spoon that. twice now in the that. last three years. Um, yeah. Not, again. So, yeah, pretty much the darkest hour in, uh, of our club's history, I would say. I've, I've, I've never been so embarrassed, to be honest, to be a Mariners fan after that. Disgraceful. I'll be, I'll, be, I'll be up front, I'll be honest. I left at the 68th minute or whatever, when it was 6-1 after I got the pen. First time I've ever left the game in 13 seasons early, ever. No matter the result, no matter whatever the score was. But that shit on the weekend was just bullshit. It was bullshit. There was, there was no way anyone... Any home fan in that ground should have had to put up with that result. Oh, I left at six one as well. Sorry, Fred. No, no, I was just I, I was uh, it was the first time I've ever left a football game. Uh, at the fifth goal, I upped and left. That was enough. Everybody's got their breaking point, and I think on the weekend, lots of people showed that you know this is enough. Like that that has to be a line in the sand that that can never ever happen again. Yeah. If if it, if it wasn't Rosie's last game, I'm. Hundred percent certain that the stadium would have been empty. It would have been flat out empty by half time. Yeah, I wouldn't go as far as saying being embarrassed. I don't think I'd ever be embarrassed to be a a Mariners fan um, or a supporter. But I definitely hurt that. That hurt really bad. Mm. Um, But yeah, I agree. The the stadium would have been empty Mm. uh, if it wasn't for Josh Rose's last game. I mean, there may have been what. 200, 300 people there at the end for him. The only people that would have been there at the end were would have been Newcastle fans. That was it. There wouldn't have been any yeah. Mariners fans left if that wasn't Rosie's last game. And that was sort of the other thing. There were so many motivating factors on the weekend for them to do well. I mean, they were trying to impress a new coach, which clearly none of them got up for. There was... they. I'm sure they had to know the Wellington result before they went out. That They had to win to avoid the spoon. And then you throw in that it's against your biggest rivals as well. If you if you can't get up for that as a professional athlete, you've you got some serious over. issues. You've got serious issues. Or you've got players that already know they're not going to be there next season, that. so they don't care. And then it comes down to, like, sort of like you said before, like a complete sort of attitude and a culture thing. Like, what the hell has happened in that dressing room in the last Having month and a half? Kennedy and goals the week leading up to it, saying that he hopes Jets go far in the finals. That's not the kind of shit we need. Yeah, I was... It's I mean, a fucking derby. There's a lot of people that have been on the Kennedy hate train for a long time, I guess. I mean, and we were all sceptical when we signed him. I thought he did enough during the I, season I to be... I to him due to his performances. Yeah, and I mean... on the weekend, that's just fucking I mean, embarrassing. He did, oh, he did okay during the season. He made a couple of mistakes here and there, but on the weekend, I don't know what... Was it going on? Was it just because it was Newcastle? Did he just have an off night? Or I'm not sure, but he, I think on the weekend he proved that he's not up to it, and it looks like he will be here again next season, which is a yeah. real, which is a real challenge. Yeah, I'll, I'll struggle with that if we keep him. Yeah, um, you know the question marks around whether Glover will be staying. It's it's pretty much certainty that he's going to go back to Tottenham. Mm. So um, you know that's 
that's out of the equation now and we've got to start looking for I think someone who's a better keeper than Kennedy yeah. um, I would say should be hard well <laughs> I'd agree <laughs> but I would see Kennedy more as a third string keeper like go and sign mm. two good quality keepers I mean I yeah. know there's a great keeper down there in Victoria Chris Oldfield who the club has looked at before previously yeah. he came right through the Liverpool That's, Academy we were thinking of who that was on the weekend yeah. isn't he an Aussie now well, too? I'm a big fan of his I've kept track of him down there playing in, in the Victoria was it Hume City he uh, yeah it was for? a Hume City yeah. um, and you know we had a look at him um, at the same time we had a look at the other Victorian guy that we saw Alistair Bray, Alistair Alistair Bray. Bray and we, we chose to go with Bray instead um, but off the back of that Arnie was very interested in signing and I think he actually signed on a temporary contract with Sydney for, for a short period of time there I believe on Old, an injury contract I believe Oldfield got a yeah he was there yeah. yeah, he got a Premier's medal or something or a Grand Final medal after the season last year because he was there signed as a keeper right okay and, and then Bray had that spell with victory as well yeah yeah so, so you know he's one perhaps we might go back and have another look at um but yeah, I think easily two two more keepers um, fitting I'm, with the minimal spend. I think going to MPL and finding a good one of the best keepers in the MPL in Australia would definitely be well, an option. Up for it. Well, I was very surprised Pierce when we ready. when we first yeah. initially signed Kennedy. Um, at mm. the time, I, I was thinking, you know, maybe we might go and sign someone like Ante Kovic. You know, very experienced keeper, played overseas, and he's gone back to the NPL, and he's still playing. You know, playing really good football. I think there a lot of them. the sentiment was, "Why are we signing a Jets reject keeper?" Well, because, and more so too, because he'd, he'd come off a very lengthy injury period. You he, know, yeah, serious he injuries. Really twelve months. That's exactly right. right. So, um, a name, a name that I'd brought up yesterday was Jared Tyson, who's just been released from the Wanderers. Wanderers, yeah. That would that that would be a decent person to give him some sort of competition. He's no, he's no world beater, but he's I a number two. Think he's yeah. better than Kennedy. I'd rather him as a number one at the moment, especially after the weekend. I'd rather him as a number one rather than Ben Kennedy. I think Kennedy would be happy in number two. He likes being there. I think he'd be happy. Well, to get he was a paycheck. number two with New, Newcastle yeah. for ten years. If you can keep getting a paycheck after that performance on the weekend, then the more luck to you. Because there's a lot of like, players... Like, laughing after one of the goals? He uh, yeah, should be gone. I know. There was a lot of players on that pitch who, I mean, did themselves no favours in picking up other contracts elsewhere. Because, I don't know. It was it was a nightmare. It seriously was. Looked like he was on the pay, to be honest. And, I mean, even, even after... Is that slanderous? Probably. <laughs> yes. I don't give a shit. That's what it looked like. Allegedly. Well, allegedly. if you're if you're smiling, if and you're smiling after conceding like. a goal, what's what's wrong with you? You'll be served with papers tomorrow, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking scum. <laughs> <laughs> Two sets. <laughs> now the corner flag. That's that the sort of content people listen for, Jets Jimmy. Fans. That did fly into the Jets yeah. fans. Yeah, like I don't like Jets fans, but that's pretty dangerous. He kicked and it into his own fans. I'm surprised yeah. that. You know, nothing's come of that. That's what, what they get. That? That's what they get for throwing a beer at Hull. Well, he he was given a yellow card, was he not on the field for that yeah. incident? Yeah, I think so so yeah. you know, the match review committee. Uh, that's endangering fans, though. You know, I, I guarantee you, they'll come out and say the referee dealt with yeah, it on the pitch, exactly. and that'll be yeah. the end of that. What did I miss? I was a shit fan. I didn't go. What happened? Petrados after the eighty seventh goal <laughs> um, kicked the corner flag straight into the Jets fans. The Jets. It snapped in two, and then the bottom bit flew out of the ground and went. I don't think they would have cared. They just scored an eighth goal against us. They they would not... If it stabbed somebody, if it got someone in the eye, they'd still be celebrating. I'm I'm sure they thought it was a beach ball. They were throwing it around after that. I'd get stabbed with a corner flag if we could score eight goals against them. Um, (laughs) While I was walking back to Carl Park, 
and they scored their seventh. And then we scored. Did you hear the cheer? Our, we scored our second. And I did you, did you just hear like twenty people no, farting in unison when Dar just scored? And then um, I turned to Jess and I said, "They better not blow that fucking cannon." And they did. They blew the fucking cannon. Yeah, of course. Oh, are you serious? It's tradition. We're seven two down. Doesn't matter. And we scored a goal. It means we blow the cannon. Joke. So does that mean I was the only one who stayed to, to the end of the game out of all? Uh, Morris stayed. Morris stayed. stayed. He's Votti. Spare me. Votti's can't leave early. I stayed because I could not walk out on Josh Rose and uh, disgraceful to watch him stand up there. And the first thing that he has to speak about is sometimes you have to hit rock bottom before you can solve the problem or similar. And for somebody who is a legend of the club, as I believe he is, to have to leave the club with those being part of his farewell speech, Mm. that was just too much for me. I was standing in my spot with a tear in my eye, to be perfectly frank, and I wanted to go down and shake his hand afterwards, but I could not go down there and be that emotional in front of him after what we'd seen and what he'd had to put up with. Then he needed to be allowed to leave the stadium as soon as he was ready to he, do he so. He deserved better. He's a, he's, just he's, he's a championship-winning player for the club, and the players that didn't put in the effort can get you-know-what. Those they, are they his didn't, mates. He didn't deserve it. Those mm. are supposedly his mates. Well, and that I'm was, glad they're not on my team. That was, the, that was the fourth point I was thinking of earlier on today, was that if you can't get up for one of your teammates who's just about to retire, who is a legend of the club... What does that say about yourself? And the, what does it say about the culture of the club? Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's a very good point club. in regards to the culture. culture club. Because what, what, if, what if Josh Rose hadn't come back this season um, and, and either finished last year at City or, or continued on there? So, you know, he, he's one of the, the guys from the early years of the Mariners. So what culture would we have even had this season if we mm. hadn't have had someone there like Josh Rose? Mm. I'd hate to think. No, I'd hate to think because, you know... As you were saying, if you can't get up for for a guy like him for his last game, um, it says and a, a good lot. person too, not just a good player and a good person too. So yeah, it, yeah just why are you so loud, Josh? Yeah, no. I don't know. It's it's <laughs> just a prime example of a team. You're that the one controlling the show, mate. You know, Stormy Roof. He's been at the club for for quite a while. You know, and and and. You'd think he would sort of be trying to encourage his fellow teammates to put in and, and put in a good performance. But, you know, the speculation surrounding him going to Melbourne victory, does that come into play? Um, it, you know, is his head halfway out the door, in, you know, uh, for, for this sort of situation of the last game, the, the do-or-die game of the year where we're, we're facing, you know... the po- All we had to do was get a, draw, uh, get a win and we, we don't get the wooden spoon. A draw. A draw. A draw, yeah. Just... He can go, by the way, Storm. See ya. That's another one. Out the door. Unfortunate because I think there is a decent footballer in there. But well, I don't think he's the same. He came back as the same player after breaking no. his leg. The injury, uh, the injury, form, yeah. Because prior to breaking his leg, he was playing some great football, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah. But after breaking the leg, he just didn't seem the same player to me. No, all the same yeah. person. Mm. Hasn't didn't been the same player going up and down that line, did he? Up and, he, down, he, up he, and he, down the line. It, sort, up, it sort of seemed like he, he lost the yard of pace with the injury as well. Yeah, you... After something like that, you'd always be hesitant. But, I mean, at some point you've got to move on and you've, if, if you're not up to it, you're not up to it. That's pretty much it, isn't it? I've got a few more things. I've got Laurie. Surely that's long enough. No one else is listening. Roy, food, last four, marin- uh, last yeah, four games. It's nearly, it's nearly midnight, tactics or some shit. <laughs> and, uh, oh, yeah, the Mariners dinner's coming up. 
There's free grog for the players, so you know who will show up. <laughs> Unlike uh, half the season. At least he doesn't have to drink at the junction. <laughs> Aaron's that angry. He's not going to the bloody medal dinner. How do you how do you, how do you collect your votty if you're not at the medal yeah. dinner? I'll, I'll get it for you, mate. Will I'll they send it in it. the post? He'll do a Charlesworth and he'll FaceTime it in, will Yeah, you can Skype. You Skype him. You can, Skype him. You can only get the body if you perform a useful function. It's, I'm in no danger of that. Do we know, do we know whether Mark Charlesworth is going to be at the Yeah, game? he'll be yeah, there. He'll, he'll, be, there, he'll be there in person with an hour-long speech about something to do with Sean. He'll be bailing you up, Josh, because he normally bails me up there to talk about how he's our greatest fan. So he'll be Mike, Mike you up, doesn't mate. even know who I am. He's well, he'll find out. Yeah, yeah, Michael will ask where you are. I'll send him a picture of you. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, no, my, Mike only knows you, mate. He doesn't know any of us. You're, you're the one that's in the know, that's in the body. Because you're the, body. the biggest whinger. <laughs> it's because you're the body, mate. Stop! Stop oh, trying! Dear. Stop! Stop it! The... Just stop trying to like get away from it. You are the body, and that's it. Oh, one more thing. Um, we're going to get Fred to work out who won the tipping comp. And we'll get, oh, yeah, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I know you did. So we'll get um, the sidelines vouchers on their way. I don't think I won. No, you didn't win, I don't. Damn, I can still fudge the numbers, though. <laughs> it's a bit late. We still moves. have the finals. No, we're including the, the finals. No, are we? we're in, the finals, are, the, isn't it going to the finals and the grand final? Yeah, because, it's still going. Yeah, it's still going. So I can fudge the numbers. Ooh, okay. okay, good. <laughs> Was there a prize for last? I'm still in there for that. Yes. You get a wooden spoon. You will get spoon. a wooden spoon with your name Just on it. Just what I wanted. I believe there's a couple of spoons down in the office. I don't want it to be that one that General Georgievsky left so, on the sideline. I think, I think, the shadow so one. who gave up on the tipping comp? Because I know that I think last time I looked, Aaron was last. I got myself to into second last briefly, so I may oh. have avoided it. So we're going to um, <laughs> probably do a couple in the off-season again, uh, based on Academy slash CC United. We'll wait until something positive comes. Yeah. And perhaps off the back of some signing announcements as well, there might be some good discussion points. Yeah, yeah, yeah same as last year. So, um, you want to come back one day, Roddy? I'll be grateful to do so. Thanks, guys, for having me. Thank Thanks you for, for listening. Um, sorry it wasn't a better season out of our hands. but uh, Thanks for listening for the whole season, if you have been. Really appreciated. Idiots. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you're, but you. you're, you're our idiots. Yeah, thank you for listening. Um, yeah, I'd like to do personal shout-outs, but if I forget someone, I will, uh, you know... We love yous all. They'll hate me, so... Just do it as a collective. Number one fan is um, Julie... Um, no, not Julie. What's her name? Oh, did we talk about Julie? Julie Goodwin. Uh, Julie oh, she, she's, Paula Grady she, She's too busy Goodwin. drinking to listen to this. Ian Radar. Number one fan. <laughs> Ian Radar, you're the man. He's a real fan. Yep. Thank you for listening. Bye.